Howdy do who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to a very festive episode 214. Yes. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do you fans? Hope you're all keeping well. Hope you had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something. Something Doctor Doctor related. Related, yes. It's close to the big day now, dude. It really is. Let's well, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so we're we're less than a week. Less than a week away. It's come around. Yeah. Come around yeah. quick, isn't it? it all, we said always it every does. year, but yeah. <clears throat> always comes around quick. It does seem like the years go quicker, though, doesn't it? I mean, this year, <laughs> Liminek. Liminek. It's flown by, isn't it? Yeah, it's indeed. One minute, Series 11 is nine months away. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's all over. Just like that. Just like that, mate. Just like that, just like that. Just like, just like. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, it is incredible. For a Doctor Who fan, I think the years are getting longer. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think as you get older, the years sort of whiz by a bit quicker, as you just said. But I think from a, a fan's perspective, for Who, I think, uh, especially when we have huge breaks, <laughs> mm. you know, because we didn't have any Doctor Who all year, did we, until between the Christmas special and... December, did we? December, yeah. So, um, no, November. When did Series 11 kick I, that's off? That's what I was it, trying to think. When did it kick off? Was it November? <laughs> no, it must have been October. Cause I was, or, no, November, yeah, because I was October, thinking they mentioned October. Halloween, didn't they? But it was weird because it was a week after. Yeah, it so was I reckon October. it must have been November. No, it was anyway. the second week of October. Oh, was it? Right, yeah. October. Sorry, yeah. So we had nothing. Uh, so we had the uh, Christmas special. And then nothing until October. And now we're going to have the New Year's Day special. And then we're going to have nothing until 2020. Yeah, so, goodness knows when in 2020. Exactly, yes. I think for a Doctor Who fan, it can feel a little bit crikey. Mm. It's a long time to wait. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting, I think, to see how, how things go next year. If you know what I mean. Because it will be strange not to have anything apart from that New Year's Day special. But... um. But I think I'm in a way, in a weird way I'm quite quite looking forward to it because you know before series eleven we were doing our sort of mixed reviews of Doctor Who, Classic Who, Sarah Jane Torture, and I'm just thinking I'm I'm quite looking forward to a year of just that, you know. <laughs> um, and then I yes. think by the time by the time the sort of series twelve does come round, 
Um, I think I'll be ready for it, you know. Uh, I mean, I think anyone listening to last week's podcast, I think I never want to watch Doctor Who again, you know, far from it. I think I just, I think we need to have a break. But like Rachel and Ross and friends, we need to gather, <laughs> we need to have a break. <laughs> Indeed. No, uh, Rachel, and I think yeah. it'll do us good. I think it'll do us both good, I hope. I think um, I think by the time the Series 12 comes around, I'll be, I'll be ready for it. I think a, a year and goodness knows how many months is enough to wet the appetite, no matter what your thoughts on Series 11. Oh, I think of course, yeah. Enough enough to get you excited again yeah. yeah yeah we'll be up for it yeah indeed yeah i'm slightly more excited for the new year's day special actually um because they had some press screening last night and of course it's all kicking off on twitter they're all like oh spoilers are out course, spoilers yeah. are out yeah. but i'm not because because i wasn't particularly enthralled by series 11 i'm not that bothered about the spoilers um so i don't really care if it is ruined for me to be honest i'm just yeah so but it's yeah, I think so. Yeah, you've got to be a bit careful if you go on Twitter. I think um, there's a few things floating around, but the press reaction, from what I understand, has been quite positive for it. So that bodes well. That does, yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, yes. I'm surprised they did one, considering Chibbers wants to keep everything so under wraps. I'm surprised he let the press in. If you're probably not, not his decision. No, no, got to do it mm, gotta because be done, the press will be hung over. And partying and all the rest of it at their little awards, whatever they do. In yeah. The year. So they'll be next to useless, won't they? So they have to do it now. I see. Oh, I'm with the you. Parties yeah. kick in. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it'll mm-hmm. be. Yes. It'll either be one extreme to the other. They have sort of drunken press people like, oh, it was amazing. I can't get over how great in the modern classic. And then you've got the other lot. Oh, it was bloody awful. Yeah. Like, you know, so yeah, get it now out of the way while everyone's sober. I, I must yeah. admit, I am I am really <laughs> hoping I enjoy it. I, I can't remember the last um, Christmas special that really I sort of thought that was really good. You know, I think it's in the tenant here. I haven't really liked him, um, and obviously this is slightly different because it's a New Year's Day special instead of Christmas. So, yeah, I am looking forward to it. I just hope I hope I come away from it feeling a bit more positive about our our new Tardis team. Really, I hope it's not another nail in the coffin for me. In other <laughs> words, hope it, I, I really hope that the year uh, gets off to a, yes. a good start. And when it finishes, I really the feeling I want to have at the end of the New Year's Day special is ah, oh, now I'm excited for the next series. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, I don't want it to end and me be like, oh dear, oh well, see you in 2020, guys. You know, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like, yeah, bring on twenty twenty. Let's Indeed. let's wish a yeah. let's wish a year of my life away for Doctor Who. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, mate. I'm hoping that after resolution has gone out, we're all fired up and chomping at the bit for twenty twenty. I mean, I don't even know when in twenty twenty it's going to. They said early, mm. so I'm imagining it's the, I mean, early. What's early? That's January, or it could be April. We don't know. Yeah. So. Who knows? It could be a yeah, it could be a year and a half's wait. All in all, mm. I don't know. But yeah, let's let's get chomp. Let's hope that this one sort of kicks us off and gives us a proper big epic ending as well. So we just sat there with hair on end and mm. eyes wide open and like, yay! Let's. I can't <laughs> wait for series series twelve. Twelve, yeah. Twelve, yeah. Weirdly, I keep going to say series twenty. I think because it's in 20, I keep going to say, yeah, I can't wait for Series 20. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Series 12. Series yeah. 12, yes. But before we get to Series 12, uh, get, should we reflect a little on Series 11? Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a slightly different show. Normally we do mm. uh, some news and merch and our review and so on. None of that today. Um, I haven't really seen any big news bits. I think the only couple of bits I've seen has 
sort of consolidated figures for the finale and so on. But in a nutshell, it was 6.5 something million oh, right. viewers okay. overall. Uh, there's no real merch, decent merch anyway, to speak of. So we're going to scrap the um, the news of merch and review and stuff. We're going to do a year in review. We're going to do our top best bits and our top not so good bits of 2018 for Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, then you guys have sent us loads of questions. We're going to do some Q&A on Who, obviously. Uh, yeah, we're going to announce like- our competition winners. We've got those two very, very cool um, Season 19 Blu-ray box sets to give away. Thank you to zoom.co.uk. Thanks, guys, for that. Uh, so we'll announce those winners, and uh, and then that'll be it. We'll be out of here. Yeah. And also a reminder, I did tell you guys last week, but just a reminder, this is our last show of the year. So uh, after today, we won't be back. Adam and I are going to take a couple of weeks off for Christmas and New Year, so we won't be back until... Friday the 11th of January. Uh, so no, no podcast the next two weeks. Friday the 11th of January we'll be back and it will be our review of the New Year's Day special uh, resolution. And then after that, so Friday the 18th onwards, we'll be back into our normal rotation of uh, New Doctor Who, Classic Doctor Who, Torchwood and Sarah Jane. Mm. Which, like you said, mate, it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to carrying on the Sarah Jane reviews. Yes. Particularly looking forward to that. We just got onto series two, didn't we? Did we do the first? Yes, we did the first yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, we just cracked yeah. series two. Yeah, that'll be good. Looking forward to that. Yes, me uh, too. So, year in review. Let's get it rocking. Okay. Shall we do, what shall we do first? The good or the not so good? What are we feeling? Uh, let's talk about some of the, let's start on a high. Let's let's talk about some of the good stuff. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I've noted down a take, few. Won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> I've noted down a few things. Uh, I'll kick off then. So the first thing that I really liked was the secrecy. And the not having everything thrown in your face before Series 11 kicked off. So we said this throughout most of the year, didn't we? That the Chibbers had got a very tight grip or has got a very tight grip on uh, things getting leaked and spoilers. We did have a few leaks, didn't we? We had a few moments here and there, but they were nothing compared to the previous years where Russell, T. Davis and the Moth were in charge of things. And... The things that we did have were very controlled, weren't they? Oh, so definitely. And yeah. I think that was really, uh, a, I, I just really like the whole mystery around the series as we got, especially as we got closer to it, because in previous years, especially in the Moff era, we would get everything shown to us before the series went out. Do you remember? You could, you could literally, I think, sometimes even piece together the story just from all the spoilers and photos couldn't you in the moth yes, uh, in the yeah. capaldi era i think for series 10 in particular you know all the shots <laughs> of the cybermen and i was thinking well we can pretty much see exactly what's going to happen you know so yeah there was way too much and they definitely reined that in um yeah i agree with you i think it's a really good thing it was a good uh, a good way of just having everybody on the same page as well because it, depending on how active you are on social media and so on you might not have seen so you mentioned the Capaldi era especially series mm. 10 
uh, there would have been obviously a lot of fandom would have seen all of the on-set photographs and the photographs of all the monsters and all that stuff and locations and everything beforehand. And like you said, you can almost piece together the story. But if you weren't that active on social media, you wouldn't have seen um, all of that. So you mm. would have heard stuff. And But what I mean is there would have been a, quite an uneven uh, expectation going into the episode because a lot of people yeah. would have seen stuff. Not so, Whereas with this one, it felt like everybody was on more of a level playing field if you know what i mean so i do see what you mean yeah, yeah yeah so we all went in or most of us went in and in, in into the unknown if you like and i'll tell you yeah. what it was lovely that's it one was, thing i will yeah. say about series 11 it was lovely going into pretty much every episode just having no idea what was going to happen a three um, second think, trailer and that was it three second yeah the trailers <laughs> were so short they were literally blinking you'll miss it weren't they <laughs> don't blink but uh yeah it was it was i mean that is one thing i i absolutely agree with you that on that um it was brilliant each week to just think right what i have no idea what's going to happen in this it's you know no idea of the story i don't know what you know i was going to say what villains or baddies are going to pop up but we'll get to that later but you know it was great to go into each story fresh and i know exactly what you mean about being on the same page because you feel like everyone's experiencing it together so yeah whereas yeah you're absolutely like whereas previous years you've probably already chatted with your friends about things you've seen and you know are coming up oh we've got the mondustian sidemen this week and all that this time none of us know and then so you're all jumping in afterwards saying oh you know rosa and all this so it was great to like you said all be going into it pretty much on the same page yeah yes i like it i do that's a good plus yeah yeah and i hope they continue that in 2020 and as we get sort of closer to the series as well i hope that the chibbers keeps that firm grip on because that's one thing that i do respect him for because it must mm. be extremely difficult to manage that and keep it all under wraps so uh i was just gonna yeah. say that it must be really difficult i mean and yeah. you know we just briefly mentioned the press screening for the new year's day special and obviously there's going to be leaks from that it's just going it's just going to happen um but it must be really hard to keep it under wraps and i do you remember the the Twitter group that used to stalk the filming of the, you know, DS or whatever they oh, were called. DWSR. Hash, yeah. The, the hashtag. Yeah. They used to, just used to thrive on posting filming <laughs> pictures, didn't they? Yeah. And, uh, and, and posting as many spoilers as possible. And even they couldn't get anywhere near it pretty much this year. Um, in fact, I haven't heard or seen of them at all. I don't think. Yeah, uh, has year. killed them off. Yeah. He's killed them off. And I, I, you know, I'm nothing against those guys. If that's what they want to do, go for it. But, it is. It has been great how how well he's managed to clamp down on sort of you know these people sneaking in and taking pictures of the filming because um, I guess a lot of it was filmed abroad as well, which probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. You know, unless they're going to get a first flight ticket to wherever they were, they, where were they? Spain and all sorts of places. But yeah, all over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did. Yeah, the, yeah. They definitely travelled abroad. They got out of Wales a lot more this year, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. So, you could tell as yeah. well. You could tell. Apart from the forest, they spent a lot of time in the forest this year. But yeah, <laughs> apart from that, they were abroad a lot, which probably helped. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, one of my pluses, um, I mean, that's a great one to start with. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, but it's a really good one. Um, one of the pluses for me was I absolutely loved uh, the opening. Uh, credits opening closing credits with oh, Segan's new theme I mean yeah. it's just one of the things I just think the Chibbers absolutely got right yep, you know for me it, it, yep. it enhanced sort of the classic era and brought it right up to date and it's sort of it's weird because 
when I watch that, to me, the way the theme sounds and the graphics and everything, I kind of think, well, that's how it should have been when it first came back. It's just, <laughs> it emulates everything about the classic and new combined. And um, so that, for me, was a big thumbs up, was Segan's opening and closing theme and the graphics that went with it. Very sort of Pertwee-esque. Yes, uh, well, actually, yeah. yeah, almost. And Harnalesque, actually, this sort of bubble with all these colours. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just loved that. And it, every week, it just really it drew me straight into the episode. I just loved the intro. I like the fact we didn't have any pre- credit scenes as well it was none of that you know we used to sometimes especially in the rtd era get like a little two minute bit of the episode then we'd get the credits then we're back oh, into the right. episode <laughs> and I, I like the fact that they didn't do that at all this year it's just theme straight into mm -hmm. the episode like just just like it sort of used to be so that was a big plus for me and i mean i guess i could tie segan's music into it i'm sure that's one of your highlights as well i i do think he gave a very fresh feel to the series it was so different from murray's music um and you know and i love both equally but that you know it i thought it, it really suited the style of the show this year so so i'm sort of going to tie segan's music in with the with that yes no i agree with you that was on my list but not sort yeah. of in it was like an honorable mention a bit later on yeah uh, but i mention it now so yeah segan's um score i mean i completely agree with you that opening the opening theme and the intro is just it's just one of the best things about series 11 for sure mm. it's uh it just looks so good it's like the quality of the you know the the, the graphics and the anime it's just how it looks and the mm. score's really classic it leans on the classic theme a lot and because you're absolutely right it, it, it's completely different to murray's music so uh, not just the theme, but the music throughout all of the episodes as well. I think Murray's music was a bit more, um, what's the word? Sort of bombastic, I would say. It was a lot more orchestral, wasn't it? This was yeah. more simplified, you know, yeah. you had a few sounds and sound, you could sort of imagine it was one guy doing it, whereas Murray's sounds very much full band a, a full lot of the time. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, and it, I think you'll agree with me when I say that it's, Segan's music isn't necessarily better or worse than Murray's. I think it was just done in a different way and it provides a much bigger contrast to what we had with Murray's music. So Murray's music, it was based around common themes mm. throughout an entire Doctor's era, really. If you look, if you, you could probably pick out half a dozen Matt Smith episodes or Capaldi episodes and you'll hear the same bit of music used in all of those episodes, you know? Yeah. Whereas Segan's music, it felt like he really studied the script for each individual episode and then wrote his music for that particular story and that particular yeah. episode, you know. I think there was a couple of recurring themes, like the Doctor's theme, I think it's called 13 or something like that. Mm. You had that, but he also tweaked it slightly, depending on the situation as well. Yeah. So I think in terms of storytelling the music was a lot more applied to the story rather than just Doctor Who. Murray Gold's music was just very much Doctor Who and you could mm. you could play a couple of Murray Gold's music for any Doctor and it would fit, whereas this one, it was more about the story rather than the Doctor, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. like the, the Demons of the Punjab episode when he did the sort of variation of the theme at the end mm. to suit the episode and it just led into it beautifully and I thought, oh, I like that. Nice little touches like that. Um, yeah, I really like Segan's music. I, I can see the only thing I can see the difference between Segan's and Murray's really is that in season twelve, I do think Segan will have to mix up the sounds 
a little bit. Not necessarily, necessarily his style, because I love it. But he does, each episode had the same synth sounds, pretty much. All the, you know, in each one. Okay. He just sort of adapted the style of the episode, which I really liked. But I think going into the next series, can, I'm trying to think of that. If you think of the very beginning of uh, Demons of the Punjab, you have that, he uses that slow synth sound to come in when they're just talking. And it's, you know, I think, yeah, he's done that a few times. So you can't we can't keep having that. He's got to mix it up a bit more in series 12. And I think he will, because he just seems to be that kind of composer where he just loves to experiment and, and yes. use different sounds and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's a big plus for me. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with for the next series. Uh, of, if you see yeah, what I mean. Yeah. yeah. There is one little thing that I would like to see, and it's only for my own personal greed, really. And that is one <laughs> thing that I did like about Murray Gold's music is that he did, although he had these big themes, you know, these big uh, rocking themes sometimes, he mm. did have a knack of, write, of writing um, almost humorous sounding music, if that makes sense. like I do, yes, I do know exactly what you do mean. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Donna's yeah. theme is quite sort of happy-go-lucky, yes. quite uplifting and funny. And there was just a few little moments like that where he had these not sort of carry-on film uh, funny you know, in your face sort of funny, but just these uplifting, nice little, almost humorous kind of little pieces in there. And we didn't have any of that really. Segan's music was quite serious and emotional and leaning more towards that era. So uh, that spectrum of music. So I'd like in series 12 for there to just be a little bit more of a uplifting little happy bit of, stuff going on not a lot but you know you know what i mean i do know what you mean yeah i'm thinking of uh, bill's theme as well that oh, lovely bill's, yeah. i loved bill's yeah. theme yeah gosh i hope we get series 10 soundtrack one day thinking <laughs> about it yeah i love bill's theme it's quirky that quirkiness where Segan's music is more atmosphere isn't it yes absolutely. whereas murray's yeah. like little nuggets of music if that makes sense yeah Segan is more about underlaying the atmosphere of the episode so very different styles yeah of course but yeah. i because chibbers wanted this totally fresh feel to series 11 i think that's why it worked for me because it did feel totally different yeah and it did suit the episodes but that's what i mean by moving forward now we've established that i think sort of need to up the ante a little bit in, in series 12 i was needing to push the boundaries a bit more i think and i mean that in a positive way because i you know i really liked what he did in series 11 yes absolutely mate yeah uh, another cool thing for me uh, and that is that doctor who this series this year it really did feel like it was back in the mainstream mm. of TV and uh, the, the sort of culture, uh, TV culture uh, this year. So whether you liked it or you didn't like it, it doesn't matter. Doctor Who was back on our screens and a bit of a, a bit of a force to be reckoned with, I'd say, um, because there was there was a concern, wasn't there? Because you and I have spoken about ratings in the Capaldi era and so on back when we were reviewing series 10 and 9 and so on and there was always that concern because whichever way you spin it prior to series 11 the uh the ratings were going down there's no way of you can't dress it up you know nicely unfortunately so it's really cool that in series 11 you know they came back strong you know we had a, a really really good opening uh, the woman who fell to earth cracked in. I think it was a really high. Was it seven odd million or eight million? Eight. Oh, I think by the by the end, wasn't it like eleven million? It, it beat it the huge, bodyguard, yeah. which I think the BBC were 
completely because they go oh, the bbc loved the bodyguards they were like oh look at our lovely this new show they couldn't you know they couldn't get over it, it was on the bbc news how well it did in the ratings and then doctor who come out it over and actually did better and they were like they probably couldn't believe it you know the bbc are like what, doctor who still still pulling in the figures oh you know? yeah, so that was that was quite something actually yeah, yeah. so I, i'm really sort of happy and you know proud that I don't know the best way to describe it. You and I have called it our little show before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just really our, cool. That, our little show. Yeah, the our yeah. little show that, you know, has been in decline over the last few years in terms of mm. ratings. It's just sort of come back with a, a bit of a slap in the face for TV and uh, competed with the best of them, I'd say. I mean, you're never going to beat those big seasonal type programs in the UK like X Factor and Strictly Come Dancing. You know, they're just too mm. big a, a behemoth to take on in terms of a small sci-fi drama show, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it was just really cool that, you know, the ratings were up, people were talking about it more. And like I said, whether you loved it or hated it or you had a something to say, it doesn't really matter. It was just there. You know, it was Doctor Who was back. It was on all the magazines for a while. Ratings were up. So that, I thought that was a great thing for, for Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, it was it was lovely to see it on the front of the you know all the TV listings mags and and people were talking about it. It was yeah, it was definitely back in the you know in the sort of mainstream. I mean, I remember sort of driving you know somewhere in the car and hearing somebody on the radio talking about Rosa. She was saying, "Oh, I'm a teacher and I've been showing it to my kids in school." And did you watch Doctor Who last night? And the DJ was talking, and <laughs> I was thinking, "This is great," you know. It's the people watching it. You know, I'd I'd sort of go round. I went down the pub and. After the first, no, it was after Rosa, I think, and some friends of mine. They never watch it. Uh, you know, there's a sort of group of friends I've got. That are just so they love to take the Mickey. You know, oh, Doctor, <laughs> they were like, oh, that that Doctor Who was quite good this week, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually watched that one and all this sort of thing. And um, and also to see, it was nice to see Doctor Who merch back on the shelves because it, you know, it's good <laughs> to see it when you go out as well. Yeah. I don't mean just like the sort of usual tap that I pick up, but I mean it was actually nice to go into, you know, sort of. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a mainstream store, but like the calendar club, you know, all the calendars were everywhere, all the Doctor yeah, calendars, yeah. and Argos had got all the Sonics and figures in, and um, and you know, I'd go. There is a, a toy shop next, quite close to me that I go in that has a lot of Funko Pops, and they'd got the Sonic and the Jodie doll, and it was yeah. it was just nice to see Doctor Who merch back on the shelves in little independent shops, as well as right. instead of having yeah. to go to Forbidden Planet because that's the only place that has it. It was just <laughs> nice to see Doctor Who back in other little stores as well um and you know just seeing that it is actually getting out there again because i mean i don't think we'll ever go back to the the sort of glory years of Woolworths of when we used to i mean when tenant was a doctor you, you just you could go you couldn't go anywhere without sort of seeing dots you know like tesco's you used to have all the figures and it oh, it's amazing yeah. you know toys r us used to have like whole big racks of doctor who display and it was incredible and i'd love to get back to that but you know things change like there is no Toys R Us in the UK anymore and stuff like that so yeah, um, but it was just nice to see what we do have stocking Doctor Who merch again yes and absolutely. for it just basically yeah. just being out there again yeah because the you know? the big Forbidden Planet store in London really needed it as well mm -hmm. I think for, for about I'd say a good three or four months that you and I were frequenting that store mm. we always noted that it just looked like some sort of you know, car boot sale that had been ransacked and just looked it looked a bit terrible. I think awful. Yeah, yeah. If you go back and listen to one of our podcasts before series eleven, we went in, didn't we? About a month or two before, 
And I think we said something along the lines of, oh, I really hope after Civil Eleven we come in here and this shelf's been restocked because it looked barren, didn't it? Those couple <laughs> it of months horrible. before we went in. Yeah, it's like a couple of old Titans just rattling around on the shelf and <laughs> and their little display cabinet, all the figures had fell over and were covered in dust. And there was like one Tom Baker's scarf hanging on a rail. And it, it was, yeah, it was bad. It was grim, wasn't it, for a while? Yeah. It was grim, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to see, not just the merch side of it, but just like you said, in general, really nice to see it just being more prominent, yes. you know, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. Uh, the other thing on my list uh, to sort of close off the, the, the good bits mm-hmm. uh, is Bradley Walsh. <laughs> I've got him on my list. You've got well. it as well. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was a funny thing because I've just written <laughs> Bradley Walsh. Yeah. What an unexpected, just awesome thing to come out of Series 11. It was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that before Series 11 started, I was worried about it, but there was definitely a level of apprehension because, because the Chibbers had kept so everything so tight-lipped and nobody was allowed to say mm. how much he was going to be in the show for a start. We didn't know if he was going to be a quote-unquote proper companion or whether he was just going to be a recurring character like Wilf maybe or something like that. So we, yeah. had, we had no clue on his on how often he was going to be in it and how much and his relationship to the other characters and stuff, which added to the good point earlier about not knowing so much about it. But it's always a strange one where you have a, a someone else who's not really known for their strong acting chops coming to the show. And he's mm-hmm. just, I think a lot of people are in the same opinion, is that he's just he's kind of stole the show a little bit over the series for me. It's uh, every episode he's just... He's had a belt. The only exception is Kablam, where he looked a little bit bored. But yeah. other than that, I think every episode he's had these awesome moments. He's been funny. He's been emotional, consistent. And I'm really missing not watching him now. I'm just, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with his character in the next series. I just, yeah, I can't wait. He's just been brilliant. Yeah, I, I would absolutely echo that. And, um, I, I I knew he could act because I've seen him in other things. So I thought, yeah, okay. I thought he would be decent. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was. Um, I was worried that he might be a bit... I was worried he might sort of um, go a bit over the top when he was announced. So there was this sort of cheeky, chappy side to him. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, I could see him perhaps playing it a little bit annoying at times. But he totally did. And his performance, I think the word you use is consistent. And I... I think that perfectly sums up how good he was just every week. And he was the most realistic yeah, in terms yeah. of his acting. He just, yeah, he was absolutely highlight. I mean, series 11 would be so much the poorer if he wasn't in it. You know, oh, I think he, he yeah, yeah. really brought yeah. it up mm-hmm. uh, week after week. I mean, even episodes that I was sat there thinking, my goodness, this is poor. You know, he, he always shone a bit like he's a bit of a Matt Smith, isn't he? Even in a poor episode, he, as soon as he comes on screen, he kind of like, oh, it's Bradley. And you sort of wake up again. And <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was definitely one of the best things about Series 11, without a doubt, a highlight. Yeah. Yes. And if you think about some of the other characters, we've said uh, that Jodie as the Doctor uh, we've said that she's had strong episodes and not so good episodes. Mm. We've said that Tosin Cole, you know, has been great. You know, I mean, they've all been fairly consistent, but they've had episodes where they've written them with, you know, decent stuff to do. And then other episodes, they've not had much to do. And they've had a bit of an off one, I suppose. And the same with mm. all of them. But with Bradley Walsh, he's just been consistently bang on, I would say, in his writing and his performance as a, as an actor. He's just... 
you know, sometimes people just get it. They just know exactly mm. what's required of their character. They don't overdo it. They don't, if anything, I would say that he underplayed a few of his performances. Which that's was, what I mean. Yeah, he didn't go OTT, just yeah. underplayed it and he pitched it perfectly week after week. Perfect, yeah. yeah. So for me, he was a highlight for sure in 2018. I, I would describe him as being the heart of the series. For me, he brought the emotion and the heart the heart and soul of series 11 for me. Yeah. So he, he's uh, the, the Ray stance of the of the TARDIS team. <laughs> the heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, he, he's like yeah. the one. You know, I don't get what you mean. Yeah, he's the yeah, yeah. heart and soul of it. Yeah. Uh, the only other uh, pluses really I've got. Um, really, I mean, I, I love the style and look of the series. I mean, it looked week after week. It looked incredible. The, the budget, obviously, it was nice to see the BBC getting behind the show again a bit. Um, I mean, you could tell that they just totally lost interest by series ten. Uh, the BBC. Or it certainly felt that way anyway. So it was nice to see it back looking. I, I mean, I think it looks the best it's ever been. I think so. You know, yeah. it, the style, the cinematography, yeah. the, the landscape, the locations, everything about it, apart from the frog, which looked dodgy, but <laughs> you think that's intentional, so maybe it was. <laughs> but it, it just week after week, it looked incredible. It yeah. looked really high budget. It looked like the BBC cared about it. It looked like they were invested in it. Um, and that really did help, I think. It was, you know, even when it was perhaps a bit slow in places, it was always just great to look at. It was never sort of, um, yes. you know, it yeah. looks stylish, yeah. you know, so they really got the look and feel of it and the effects and everything look great. You know, there's there's no sort of new viewer out there that's going to be saying, oh, see, wobbly sets, oh, Doctor Who. You just couldn't, you can't lay claim to that anymore with this series. No. You know, that had all gone out the window. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just, bringing in with, with the style of the series, I also just loved the TARDIS exterior. <laughs> it wasn't on screen enough for me. I just, every time it was on screen, I just loved how the TARDIS looked. So I'm going to tie that in <laughs> with the style of the show. It just looked beautiful this year, uh, the TARDIS. Yeah. No, I, I echo that. The outside. The outside, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, pretty much what I've got as well for the good stuff. Uh, yeah. The only one last little thing I'd like to say is it's also been another really good year of meeting up with our listeners at various events yes. throughout the year. So uh, along with the uh, alongside the big uh, Comic-Cons, if you like, that we went to, there's also those smaller events like the BFI showings and you went off to the Westminster um, uh, signing event and stuff. And I think you've been to a yeah. couple of the smaller um, – is it the Phantom events? Phantom, or, yeah. Yep. So just meeting up with our listeners and – spending the day chatting Doctor Who and having a drink and all that stuff, pop into Forbidden Planet. You know, it's just really cool that uh, we've met so many awesome people through the podcast. Mm. And it's really nice when we have the time and these events to go and say hi and, and chat to people. So that's another, that will be a highlight for me every year, I would say. But yeah, just another little thing to throw in there is um, meeting up with all you lot. It's all good. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not so good. Not so good then. Oh, blind me. Not Where do we so start? Good stuff. So I've got four things on my list. Have you? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Go or do you, I went first last time. So you, go oh, all right. Go um, well, I mean, the biggest minus for me this year really has been has been the lack of memorable villains and monsters. Okay. You know, because right. for me, Doctor Who doesn't need to have it every week, but we didn't get it at all this year. I didn't think I can't. I don't. I'm, I'm even Tim Shaw. I'm going to say was a pretty poor monster and he was the best of a bad bunch really <laughs> yeah. we didn't get any good monsters no memorable villains at all i don't think this series, and i think that is pretty poor i mean doctor who is about a lot of things but you know one of the things that people associate with doctor who is the monsters you know you want to be scared you know 
And uh, one of the things we just didn't get from series 10, and I think it's quite shocking over 10 episodes, is we didn't get one decent villain or monster. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's inexcusable, really. I don't think, you know, I, I just, I still can't quite believe it. Even just saying out loud, I just can't <laughs> believe it that we didn't get one decent villain or monster. Yeah, mate. I, well, this kind of ties into, because my first one is a bit generic, really. Mm. And, it, and it's just that the storytelling overall for Series 11 has not been fantastic. No. And uh, it's a shame, really, because I, c- I can see what the Chibbers is trying to do. He's trying to get away from the formula that's been in place for years. Mm. And that I'm, a, I'm guessing that all of the meetings that happened prior to them in getting into production with it, with the BBC people higher up and, and all those people... I imagine it was something that needed to happen, but I think they just missed the mark a little bit. So I would imagine that it, all those meetings before, so when he got the job mm. and then he spoke to all the BBC executives and all those people that are in charge, I'm pretty sure there's something along the lines of, look, ratings have been slowly declining, so we need to change it up a bit. We need to do something that's going to get people back into the show, you know, get people back watching all the rest of it. And... Yes, there was the big publicity thing around a new female doctor and all that stuff. That's fantastic. Um, but I think just the formula of the show just needed a bit of a change. But I think they missed it. I think they went too far with it. So mm. a cool thing that's, I think, a formula that does work. And anyone that listens to this show for a long time will know that I'm a really big fan of the X-Files. And uh, that, the formula for that show, I think, is perfect. And it was very consistent in every series. And that is, you mix it up a bit. You have a, a kind of a story arc that runs throughout the series. So you do a bit of a moth where you mm. have the, you know, series, but you don't do it in sort of huge, um, in so much huge detail that you just feel like you're flooded with it all the time. So you have a bit of a story arc that runs throughout the series, but then you just inject sort of these weekly isolated creature feature stories. Mm. where you can have like your really cool, big, scary monster for a week, but you know that he's not going to come back at the end and just get shot in the foot. Do you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? You, oh, you yeah. have that kind of thing where you just mix it up a bit. And I felt like in mm. series 11, they they played it a bit safe, I think. I think throughout the entire series, you were every week, and I, th- I imagine you were the same as me, you were thinking, right, mm. this week we're going to get that really big, scary threat, this big, scary monster that we've been after. It's going to be this week. It's going to be this week. Yeah, and I mean, and it didn't, didn't, didn't even need to be, yeah, it didn't even need to be scary. I mean, the thing was, I just, when Chibber said, no, no old monsters coming back this year, we've got a, a fresh 10 brand new episodes with new scary monsters and all this sort of thing. I was really looking forward to what they'd come up with in terms of, as I said, didn't even need to be scary, just design wise and the possibilities of all these new creations that we we're mm-hmm. going to get to meet. And then I look back at series 11 and I'm like, but we, what did we get? I mean, you know, the the spiders, well, they're spiders, you know. It's been done before, uh, it's, yeah. everything just felt really lame. And, uh, and I just think that's such a shame. I was just expecting more imagination in, in some of the, you know, the, the villains and stuff we were going to see. Because um, I think episodes like Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, which I really enjoyed, they, you know, it, it didn't even need a monster, really. I wish, in a way, they'd just kept them as historicals and then, but created a really good monster for the following week or something, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so lack of villains and monsters was a big letdown for me in yes. Series 11. It's one of the things I would really hope they rectify in Series 12 because, um, 
when you look back at the Moff era, you know, good or bad, he gave us like the Weeping Angels for a start. I mean, they're such an iconic monster mm-hmm. straight away. Yep. We didn't get anything anywhere near that. Did we? Nothing anywhere Nothing close no. to, to that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm really hoping that we see a, um, improvement on our on yeah. our gruesome creatures next year. No, I completely agree, or mate. Or year yeah. after even, yeah. I agree. And you can tell that they almost got it. I mean, uh, Tim Shaw, if you look at how he was, how he looks, he looks quite gruesome with all the teeth in his face. And they really nailed the voice as well on that deep mm. sort of uh, threatening voice. So in some parts of it, they got it right, but in they just it didn't feel like it was the complete package because he just wasn't threatening enough to follow through on the the badass kind of look and feel that they had for him. I, I thought he you would. Know? I thought he worked perfectly well in the first episode because I thought, well, he's just there as the token villain, but really this story is about introducing the Doctor. So in terms of that, I think Tim Shaw was great in the first episode as, as for what he was there for. And he was pretty scary. I mean, all the jaw breaking and stuff. I th- that's kind of what I'm, why I was disappointed in Chibnall because I thought, oh, he's going back to the sort of gruesomeness, but just on the edge, you know, not too far, but this is quite adult. Mm-hmm. He's breaking jaws. He's He looks menacing. He's got this face of teeth. It's quite horrific stuff. So I thought, okay, so if this is just a token villain in week one, wow, what are we going to get for the rest of the series? But no, he turned out to be the biggest threat. And I'm thinking, but he was just the token introduction villain. And then even that, they just made him, they kind of threw it all out the window with the final, didn't they? By making him so weak and defeated so easily. I mean, it was a joke. So yeah, it's that's what I mean. It started off quite promising, I I think. But as soon as episode one was out of the way, we got nothing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that kind of, like I said, it links into my very generic just the storytelling overall for series 11 that's part of it so i won't talk about it for too much but i just feel like they leaned or they borrowed too often and too heavily on the themes of existing stuff already and sometimes Mm. that can be a good thing Uh, you know sci-fi in general over the last 50 years whatever it's sometimes at its best when you have those common themes regardless of the show whether it's blake seven or doctor who or, or you know whatever um star wars whatever it might be you know, when you borrow from those common sci-fi themes, it just builds on the genre and it just builds and you can do cool stuff with it. But I think for me in series 11, they just borrowed and didn't use it enough, or didn't use it wisely in terms of how do we apply it to Doctor Who. So mm. like we've had themes like The Predator, that was Tim Shaw really, especially episode one. And then we've had other themes, you know, like when we in the first three or four episodes, I was like, oh, this week it's, basically a copy of whatever yeah that's right yeah you know it just felt like that they had looked at really successful sci-fi films and themes and thought right we'll we'll use that in this episode but they just they it was almost in some respects a carbon copy and didn't really Mm. tweak it enough so i think for me overall just series 11 some of the we had some standout episodes which were fantastic but overall it just felt like you know we just need a bit more in, you know, I think we just need a bit more who overall, yeah. I think. You know. Yeah, because I think you said it. I think they went a bit too far. They they wanted to make it fresh and, and sort of accessible uh, to a new audience, which is all great. But I think you're right. I think they just took it a little bit too far by throwing out a lot of the sort of history of the show as well. Um, and I, I mean, I was great to see the Cybermen and the Daleks getting arrested. I really was. I don't think we needed them in this series. But we did need something that was at least half their equivalent. Yeah. You know, because I don't. I keep thinking of the younger audience as well. I don't think there was anything, anything in there really to hook, hook in the sort of younger 
fan base of the series. There was nothing to for them to sort of get. They might have liked the pating, possibly, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I just don't. There was nothing really for the, for the younger audience. I don't think. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, second thing on my list is the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, man. Which I guess ties into my first point, but I just felt I was really up for it as well. You know, when they first announced it and um, uh, we, and it was completely different, you know, completely gone away from the metallic, uh, not, uh, sorry, the the sharp edges and the very technology-based thing where it's all neat, very well designed and stuff. This felt very organic and very just... um, just like in the series, really, just knocked up in a in a garage somewhere. It had that really cool feel to it, and it was fresh. And again, well, I loved that scene. I remember thinking, awesome. "Oh, I really yeah. like this." Doctor's building stuff and using what she's got around her. That was a really nice. And the bit at the end with the microwave and all that. I loved all that stuff. Yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? Really yeah. good. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. We've got a new direction for it now. Mm. It, it 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 didn't feel like your typical sci-fi design that's what i'm trying to say it didn't feel like yeah. all the others and stuff uh it had an organic feel to it but then it just sort of overstayed its welcome a little bit as we went through each episode because pretty much every scene where the doctor's trying to either disable something or figure something out or get through a door whatever it was always right let's rely on the sonic instead of relying on her wits and a plan and a bit of an 18 moment where she constructs something i was really hoping for that you know you mentioned that scene at the end of episode one where she makes that Ooh. big device out of just rubbish. Yeah. I was really hoping that that was going to be a theme for the series where each episode, not every episode, but we would see her in a bit of a tight fix with the companions. How do we get out of it? Oh, let's make something cool. A bit of a third Doctor vibe, really. So she did but, do it. Was it in Divas of the Punjab? She she made something and we thought we quite liked that. Didn't we said, oh, because the Sonic couldn't do it, so she had to use her brains. I thought... That would have been nice if we'd have seen a bit more of that thing because it, for me, it did get the Sonic got incredibly annoying. She was waving it around like a wand, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was <laughs> for me personally, and some people disagree, but for me personally, and it sounds like you, it was way overused. I mean, it's something like the Sonic. I should, I think, should be sort of a treat, you know, like in the in the Davison era, for example. I know it got destroyed, but before it got destroyed. He only brought it out now and again, and when he did, it's like, oh look, it's the Sonic. Oh, I love the Sonic. Of course. Instead of yeah, like a... it coming out every thirty seconds, and you're like going, oh, she's using the blooming Sonic again, because it it was just used to literally move the story on every time, wasn't it? There was no, it was just like, yeah, oh, that's you know, that's read that now, and I've done that, and that's what this is, and yeah, she just used yeah. it for reading everything in the storyline, and it, it it became really annoying, I think. It so is, I, yeah. every time it got dropped or eaten or whatever, I kept thinking, oh, please let that be gone. <laughs> please let that Sonic be gone. Yeah. But um, no, even at the and she even said it as well, didn't she? I love my Sonic. <laughs> and I thought, I was, almost felt like that was a little two fingers up to, to the fans, actually, who don't like it. I thought, oh, they've put that in there. But yeah, way overused, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I really wanted it to be destroyed. I, I'll tell you, I really did. It almost felt like it became a crutch rather than a... Uh, a cool little thing that you that it's almost like uh i think they just tried to make the doctor have something that was almost part of the character so if you think about some other really cool yeah i don't know mean yeah. so yeah. if you think about star wars right so the jedis obviously have their lightsabers and the sith mm. as well so that's like their thing isn't it that's like their one sort of prop if you like that's always with them 
Yeah. But it's not a crutch, though. They don't need it to progress the story in any way. It's just used as like a really cool weapon when, you know, stuff goes down. Or if you think about things like the Lord of the Rings, for example, where Gandalf's staff or Legolas's bow, or, you know, those sort of things. It's part of yeah. their character. It's personal to them. But they don't need it in order to carry the story. Where in Doctor Who, I felt like they tried to do that. They tried to get the Sonic back into being almost part of the Doctor's character yeah. and having it there. But it, they just, it just felt like in some scenes, you couldn't progress the story without the Doctor using it. So it became too it much. It became a, very yeah, lazy, didn't it? It, became, almost, it was just yeah. so convenient to just, oh, convenient, how, do I, yes. how do I get out of this situation? Oh, she uses the Sonic. In terms of the writing, it was very lazy, I think. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think that is the thing. I think I said to you halfway through reviewing Series 11 that, um, I, I said, yeah, I think I've just got to accept the Doctor and Sonic go hand in hand now. Like you said, they've made it part of the character that she always has it. It's always there and that's the way they're writing it. So, yeah, I didn't like that personally, but I think you're right. It was just the way it was done and kind of had to accept it, really. Yeah. I think you, you're right there, mate. Sometimes it was just too convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Give me the tubular. I, let her. <laughs> uh, I wish uh, Ribbons had, had got hold of it, but he, he never did. Um, another big ne- uh, sort of negative for me <laughs> was the TARDIS interior. Yeah, I've got that. Um, yeah. was just an absolute dog's dinner, wasn't it? <laughs> just an absolute mess. I'm sure the designer would be thrilled to hear. Oh, I'm sorry, designer. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, I mean, again, it's a personal thing. I'm sure some people loved it. And there were times when it was beautifully lit, but it... Um, I think the fact it was hardly in the series kind of said said it as well. Because uh, the thing is with the TARDIS, I've always loved it when they explore the TARDIS. I like to think it's got all these rooms and I like to think that Graham's got a bedroom with a football poster on the wall or whatever. And, you know, and Ryan's got a po- picture of, I don't know, Pamela Anderson in Baywatch or something. I don't know. Yeah. I just like to think they've got little rooms there because they, they spend a lot of time in there. And we didn't get to see any of the TARDIS apart from that concert room. And for me, it just was just way too messy. It looked very plasticky as well, those That's those true. crystal cylinders. Yeah. And then one week we got to see that the little tops of the cylinders <laughs> sort of went up and down and we were like, what's that? Like a and little finger moving up and down. Little finger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah little <laughs> finger. And then you got the crystal in the middle of the console wobbling away in the background looking terrible. Um, I'm, seeing, I'm wondering if that, because you think the frog was intentionally bad. I'm thinking... And I mean this seriously, maybe the wobble <laughs> was intentional as well because... Maybe, yeah. Well, I think maybe it was now. Now you've sort of... Because I've been thinking about what you said about the frog, and I'm thinking, in terms of production, everything's so spot on, and there's no way if they didn't... If they wanted to fix that wobble... They, Nowadays, they could, they would have. They could do yeah. that, couldn't yeah. they? So maybe it's a little throwback to the classic series, but it just made it look even worse. Um, so, yeah, big... I just, I just couldn't get my head around the interior we had that funny spinny tardis which we only saw in oh the little know, crystal one that lit little up. crystal yeah. tardis that was strange um the, the, the yeah. biscuit dispenser we only saw that once only saw yeah. that once they, i mean they didn't spend a lot of time in the tardis at all um some people might like that but i just personally like it when we have little scenes in there it's very dark as well isn't it it's like very very dark yeah very dark and a lot of it was shot in close so i don't even really feel that we've explored that TARDIS it it just I suppose as well it, it really felt like a set you know every time they went into it you can sort of almost imagine them filming in it it, it just felt so enclosed that set right, right. whereas uh, you know Capaldi and Smith's TARDIS really felt 
they I mean they used to do great big sweeping shots of when they walked into it, didn't they? And it just looked amazing on screen, mm-hmm. that TARDIS interior. Yeah. It really did. Um yeah. So yeah, that was a I I I just don't think they got the TARDIS interior right. I really don't. I'd like to see that. I think with a few tweaks, it could look all right. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to when finally uh, Jodie regenerates. Hopefully, it's inside the TARDIS and the whole thing blows up. Because I'd love to see those. I'd love to see those crystal things uh, all around it explode. Because uh, I, I don't think they work at all. But no, um, I read you. yeah, yeah. But no, it was just yeah. I know what they were going for. A bit like the Sonic, they're going for the sort of organic feel mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, really didn't work for me at all. It's, it's my least favorite interior, I think. No, it's yeah. same for me. It's yeah. the least fave for me. I can see what they, it, it, there's nothing wrong with having a. Because if you think back to the classic years, the the set was always really bright. They always had the lights up full whack, and mm. you know the the walls were all white and light grey and stuff. And it was really light anyway. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with having a a, a more darkly lit TARDIS. If you think to Eccleston's some of Eccleston's scenes with Rose mm. in the TARDIS, they were quite dark, but they were lit in a slightly different way. Whereas this one, it just felt. Like, even though it was quite dark, you could see to the edges and the perimeter of the TARDIS still, and you could mm. make out what's going on. Whereas this one, it just felt like, you know, some classic Who stories where we've reviewed the sets, and you've got the set finishes, but then it's just blackness, and it feels like a theatre stage. Yeah, like there's yeah, nothing. yeah, It feels, it's got that vibe about it, where you've got the stuff around it, but then it's just blackness beyond that, and it's just, it feels like they're on a stage somewhere, doing a exactly. play. Exactly, Yeah. yes, yeah. But I think the overall design as well just didn't work for me at all. It just felt like, uh, it it felt like a almost a a mix like a a mashup of sort of Tennant and Eccleston's TARDIS interior. Mm. And yeah, they go for that steampunky type thing, yeah, haven't they? But that you kind know. of thing. But yeah, it just didn't. I don't know. It just there's nothing about it really that I like. that sounds awful. There's just nothing really about it that I liked, and I thought. Oh, I can't wait to get that. I can't wait. Because in Davison's era, like you said, like um, they each had their own room, like um, Adric, you know, he had his room, you know, at the yeah, beginning of Earthshock. Star chart you know, the he wall, goes, didn't he? he? had his little star chart. Yeah. yeah, the doctor sort of knocks and goes in and that's his room and they have a conversation and then Tegan's got her own room and all the rest of it. You know, in this one, it just, what are they doing? That you know, The whole time that they're traveling between stories, what are they just all standing around the console? Yeah, because they, they, every week they looked like they were, didn't they? They looked yeah. really bored. Like, where are we going this week then, Doctor? You still can't control it. They just stood in the console room. And, I was, I, I, and it's the sort of set as well where I can't imagine it going off anywhere. Like, you know, I'm thinking, is there a door to the rest of it? Or, yeah. you know, I just, it didn't, yeah, it felt very bitty and incomplete. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one extreme to the other. If you think about the exterior, like you said, of the TARDIS, it's oh, beautiful. Beautiful. The yeah. very only couple of scenes where we saw it saw it flying through the new design of the, the time oh, vortex. Vortex, that was good. That was all amazing. So that part of it yeah. with the TARDIS was absolutely beautiful and amazing. Mm. And then you're in the other extreme where you're inside and it just looks like, I don't know, someone's just... I, I, I don't want to go back to it. But it, it looks it just, unfinished, doesn't it? It, it, it looks, looks like they've kind of like yeah. they put some of the bits of set up and they're like, yeah, the, the rest of it's arriving from Ikea next week. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, this will do for now. Yeah. Just shoot it in close up. <laughs> So, so I yeah. agree with you, mate. The TARDIS yeah. interior just didn't didn't cut the mustard for me. Didn't do it for me, no. I hope they tweak it. You know, like they did Capaldi's, they they look at it, 
and they think, oh, well, let's soften the lights around the edge and let's make it. I hope they sort of tweak it somehow. Yes. And make yeah. it look better. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of those funny little finger movements on the top of the <laughs> crystals. They're weird. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing I've got on my list, mate, for things that weren't so good, and that is fandom. Fandom? Fandom, yes. Now, I'm fully aware, I'm 100% aware that this is never going to go away and it's never mm. going to be fixed and it will always be a problem. But I thought that this year, specifically, I've never seen so much um, arguments and just kicking off all the time about Doctor Who on Twitter and Facebook. It was rife this year in the run-up to Series 11. and We've had it at various pockets throughout 2005 onwards. You know, you've seen it. Fandom will always be that way. But I think especially mm. this year and sort of the last half of 2017, after the announcement that we had a new female Doctor, it just went crazy. And it yeah. feels like... It feels like Doctor Who fans of, well, some Doctor Who fans anyway, have sort of taken on an extra level of, I'm going to tell you what I think, even if I'm going to be a rude so-and-so. Hmm. I'm going to tell you what I think because this is my show, it's my Doctor and all the rest of it. It just feels like there was an extra level of that going on. And it, it just, and there were some points, because you and I had to say it, didn't we, at various points, that, like, look, you've all got your opinion and you've all got something to say about it, but just don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Just be civil and nice. We all love the show, right or wrong, you know, love it, hate it, whatever. Let's just be cool and don't mm. be a dick and just because there was some real nasty stuff going around. It was it was getting points. a bit thing. I mean, uh, I'm all for people being passionate about the show. I'm all for that. But you've got to respect people's opinion. Yes. And you've got to respect yeah. that people have got a different opinion to you. I mean, I was getting very annoyed to people saying well, I'm not listening to the podcast this week because you're being negative. I didn't like you didn't like the episode. I won't be listening this week. And I'm like, well, that's you know, why does that? Why it's yeah, just a different yeah. opinion to you. Why can't you handle it? Why have Why have I got to have the same opinion of you? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. why are you getting so annoyed about it? Just if someone's got a different opinion to me about an episode, I'll just be like, oh, really? Like, I mean, we've had different opinion. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't think it was that good, but oh, did you like it? Oh, okay. I don't say, well, I'm not listening to you until next week then, because like, I don't agree with that. And it was, a, it was this sort of air of authority with certain quarters of the fandom as well. Yes. Of like yeah. shouting you down and telling you, you know, telling you you're this and you're that because of your opinion. It's like, no, that's your, I'm not that because of my opinion. I'm just saying I didn't enjoy an episode. There's nothing to do with Jody or whatever you're accusing me of. It's, you know, and it's the first time when I've, I've sort of really, uh, well, at first I didn't hold back my opinion. I was just putting my thought on Twitter and stuff. And then it's the first time when I felt like, Actually, I'm not going to post that. Like, I've gone to write something and I thought, actually, I'm not going to post that because all it's going to do is attract, you know, a load of abuse and I can't be bothered with it. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I just can't be bothered to respond to people that just can't have a, a, a reasonable discussion with me. Yes, you know, they're absolutely. just going to tell me I'm wrong, you know, or they're going to accuse me of being a JD hater or whatever. And, you know, and it's, yeah, I just, the sort of the lack of allowing people to express the difference of opinion uh, has really got to me this year and it, it does seem worse than previous years and I, I think I don't know why because it's Jody it's it's so much more volatile this year but mm, no yeah outrageous. I agree yeah. it's it's it was becoming quite 
you know, and I'm not just myself personally, but other areas of fandom as well have talked about it, just saying, you know, they, they've done reviews and they've been absolutely shot to bits over it, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, I don't know why. I don't know why this year, but it's been really bad. It has been, yeah. And I'm not sure why either. I think it's, yeah. In, in previous years, we've had loads of uh, tweets, emails, Facebook messages, whatever it might be, saying, really wasn't happy with what you said on this week's show. Mm. And then they would follow it up with, but I still really enjoy it. I'm still going to listen. I'm yeah, just giving yeah. you my thought that, you know, I wasn't happy with what you said about this particular doctor or this story, whatever. But, you know, carry on doing the show, guys. I love it. You know, whatever. So that's great because someone's saying, you know, I don't agree, but, you know, I'm not certainly not going to call you, you know, be nasty or rude or anything like that. Whereas in the last year, especially while Series 11 uh, has been going on, um, we've received a few messages where someone, you know, a few people have said, you know, it's, your show's absolute trash and I'm mm. going to stop listening because, you know, how dare you say this about so-and-so and how dare you But we, we this, can't but... cater a podcast to people's views. We're, the, the whole no, point of no. us doing a podcast is to give our views. That's why we're exactly. on here. We're not here to cater yeah. to But yeah, yeah I'll, give you, I'll give you a perfect example of a perfect, well, <laughs> perfect sort of <laughs> list, if you like. Our friend, uh, well, I say friend, we've never met, but someone who's followed the podcast for a while now, is a chap called Neil. And I believe his Twitter name's Brighter Moon. Oh, Neil, yes. So he sent us a, a tweet, didn't he? Because I think he loved Kablam. Um, hopefully I'm remembering this right. That's I think correct. he loved Kablam yeah. and we didn't. Um, and he was sort of saying, oh, guys, that's a real shame because I, I really like, I really enjoyed this episode. He said, oh, well, still look forward to the podcast anyway. Uh, and then he tweeted us afterwards, didn't he? He said, well, I, I, I didn't agree with much of what you said, but I really enjoyed, you know, it was very interesting to hear it's made me think about stuff, you know. It's, it's really interesting to hear your views on on Kablam because, yeah, you know, you've got a fair point about some of that stuff. And I thought, thank you, Neil. Mm-hmm. He totally different opinion to ours, but he listened to the podcast and thought, yeah, I see where they're coming from, but don't agree with it. But yeah, you know, it's interesting to hear they thought that, and I thought this, and that's the thing. When I listen to a podcast, I don't, I don't just want to hear people who agree with me. In fact, it's, sometimes it's much more interesting to listen to a podcast and sit there shaking your head going, oh, no, what's he talking about? Definitely. You know, it yeah. wrong, you're wrong, you're yeah. wrong. But, it, you know, so, yeah, I do have to agree this year. I hope, um, I think the message is getting through a little bit as well. It's just, it's, it's pretty simple, really. We've all got opinions. Just respect them and don't, don't, there's no air of authority here. You don't have to shoot someone down and tell them they're wrong. You know, just say, oh, really? I didn't, don't agree with you there, but fair enough. Yeah, you can't argue with opinion whether it's right or wrong. It's, it's just the thing. And I mean, unless you're being personal, if you start getting personal, then yeah, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. you're getting personal. But if it's just expressing an opinion about an episode. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and then we can, oh, I'm not going to do this now on the show, but you know, if we chat to any of you at an event at some point and a few drinks have been consumed, then we'll happily tell you, you know, we, I, I used to listen to um, two or three podcasts and a couple of YouTube channels where all they did week in, week out was just say how fantastic and brilliant everything is about Doctor Who. Mm. Even if you know that's not the case, you know, they just want, just because they're either in cahoots with people who work with the show or they're, they've gone too far down the rabbit hole to turn back and all of a sudden say it's not as good as they thought it was. Yeah, no, we, we're absolutely just, you know, we're absolutely not that podcast at all. You know, we will never just sit here and criticize it for the sake of it. We'll only ever do that when we truly feel that way. And mm. we'll always try and balance it with something positive and look, you know, for 
something cool in there as well. We're never just going to sit here and blast the hell out of it. Otherwise, there's no point in us doing it. That, that's one thing yeah. I will will say, uh, hand on heart, is I do always genuinely try and find a balance as well, even if I've really not enjoyed an episode. So, you know, Saranda, Conundrum, whatever it's called. I'll always look, I'll think, okay, yeah, I didn't enjoy that, but what was good about it? I do always try to give a balanced review. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think on Twitter, you know, <laughs> you're sort of put out. So I think I think that was the episode that broke me where I tweeted afterwards, what a load of drivel or something. <laughs> and my goodness, did I get some tweets. And I was thinking, well, hang on, that's that's only one tweet. There is more to my opinion. <laughs> but yeah. no, you just want to, you just want to concentrate on that. Okay, well, all right, fair enough. So, you know, we I think we do. I think I can honestly say that. We always try and find good or bad, but... In, in any episode. We don't just run it into the ground for the sake of it. Yeah. So I understand passionate fans, all the rest of it, but... I'm all for passion. But it just yeah. felt like it was a bit OTT. <laughs> I'm all for passion. All Sorry, for... <laughs> that sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> Aren't we all, mate? Aren't yeah. We? Depending on how many uh, drinks, yeah. That does that does lead quite nicely onto my final negative then. And uh, this, you know, <laughs> perfectly fits in what you're just saying. My final negative for the series is Jodie Whittaker, um, I'm afraid, and the, and the way The Doctor was written in series 11 uh, i can totally see what they were going for they wanted a quirky fun doctor that's zany and the kids are gonna love and she's really good and yeah but for me i don't think they got it right it did feel very much at times like a carbon copy of um quirky lines that the 10th doctor or 11th doctor might say and that i don't think they gave jody her own personality um in the way the doctor was written it just it just right. she never landed for me i still don't really know who her doctor is at all really um, and I, d- I don't, by the end of series 10 as well, I don't think Jodie's uh, acting really hit the mark as well in, in areas. There were moments, there were glimmers of greatness, but she didn't land in her performance all the way she was written for me in series 11. And I really hope that's something that they they managed to get right in series 12. And I was having a discussion with a couple of guys yesterday uh, about Capaldi. And I think, although I liked him more than Jodie's Doctor from the start, I do think he took a while to settle down. For me, I don't think Capaldi's Doctor really landed till series 10 when he became this sort of gentle but old, wise, you know, so he was the teacher and right, he really yeah. sort of founded his Doctor, I think, for me, by series 10. So, you know, definitely not writing Jodie off or anything like that, but she, yeah, really needed to calm down in her performance, I thought. There was a lot of week after the week gurning, silly faces, she was written so childlike as well at times, and it, I found it incredibly frustrating. I think week after week, I was saying, oh, I hope she's better next week, I hope she's better. And you can't be saying that every week. So I really would like to see her performance um, tuned in a bit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I'd like to see her written better, because just before I hand over to you, the one thing I was thinking about series 11, you know, two of the sort of standard episodes for me were Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, very adult episodes in in right. the you know the source material what the rumor and i was thinking about it i was thinking in the middle of those two probably the most adult episodes doctor we've had for a very very long time you've got this really silly childlike doctor and i was thinking it, it's a kind of a contrast that doesn't work for me because i was i hate to say this but i i was just thinking imagine the ninth doctor in Rosa, so take out the 11th, put the 9th Doctor. Imagine if he was written that episode, how unbelievable that episode would be with the 9th Doctor in. It's just, her Doctor just didn't right, fit. Right. It, she, she wasn't strong enough on screen, even in amazing episodes like that. You know, so yeah, I'd like to see Jodie improve massively in Series 12. Yeah, I read you, mate. I mean, it's quite yeah. telling that I haven't got Jodie on my good or bad 
section. And that's because I don't think she's either of those. Mm. That That's quite telling, really. Um, and it's a real, I wouldn't say it's a shame, but I just feel like it's, I feel like Jodie's Doctor is a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I think she's going to be okay. I think, like you've said, I think Capaldi really found his feet in Series 10. Mm. But I'm just worried that the BBC, because Chibbers has been saying things like, you know, it's it's thrilling that the, the, the new Doctor has captured the hearts and minds of, of everybody. And it, it worries me that they think that this is awesome. <laughs> it, mm. it worries me that Chibbers and the people at the BBC think that Joe, the way that Jodie was written, especially, is like the best thing since Doctor Who ever. And it worries me that they think that, okay, right, we think this is amazing, so we're just going to keep this going as it is. That's what worries me as well. And if they do, uh, yeah, that really worries me. Because I, I think if they write her better, she's definitely got got it in her to be amazing. I do do believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've said it before, I do genuinely believe a lot of it is down to the way she's written and the way she's been directed to act as the Doctor. But, yeah. No, I agree, mate. I think, I, I think, don't get me wrong, I really do like Jodie Whittaker. I really do like her. And I think that she's got so much potential to be a brilliant doctor. Really, mm. really good. It's just the right, the writing isn't there. That The writing has just been, do you know how frustrated, you know how frustrated we were when we were re- reviewing Capaldi through series nine? I don't know if your yeah, memory is that yeah, good, but yeah, yeah. we were so frustrated because week in, week out, we were thinking, right, what what are they trying to write him as here? Because last week he was this type of doctor, and now this week he's this type of doctor. You know, mm. what are we going to get next week? It was so up and down. Inconsistent, wasn't it? Exactly. Unbelievably, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. frustrated us to hell. And then Series 10, like you said, they kind of found a flow for him. And I yeah, think, that's right. Yeah, you know, and I think Capaldi kind of took charge a little bit of his own destiny, almost, and wanted to do it a certain way. And I feel like we're going through the motions a little bit with these with Capaldi and Jodie. But what's frustrating is that we didn't have that with the previous three Doctors. So if you think about well, Eccleston's only series anyway, but if you think about the first series of Tenants and the first series of Matt Smiths. They were just like boom, off the mm-hmm. off the ground running, and various points throughout those doctors' first series, it was like crikey, that's the doctor right there, mm. you know. But we didn't have that with Capaldi at the beginning. Very little, small moments of that, and it's the same with Jodie. It's like she's great; she's a great actor. It's really, really good, and I feel like she's got the ingredients there. They're all there, sort of ready to to become something brilliant, but it's just the writing's just, you know, she's been, and I don't know if she's had any input on how she wants to portray this Doctor and and the writing and so on, but I don't know, it just feels like, it feels like a, a, it feels like you've walked into the kitchen and someone's baking a cake and you've seen all the ingredients out and you think, this is going to be a belter of a cake. Hmm. I cannot Hmm. wait to try this. And then it comes out the oven and it's sort of sunk in the middle a little bit and it's a bit dry around the edges. And it's not just, yeah. it's not quite the cake you thought it was going to be, uh. even though the ingredients were amazing. It just feels like that's the case with Jodie. She's on her way, but she just needs Chibbers to bugger off a little bit and bring in some really good writers to take charge of those episodes a bit more. 
Oh, definitely. Because yeah. I think all the episodes where I've started to warm to her have been written by someone else. I, in fact, they definitely have. Uh, the other writers have written the Doctor so much better than, than Chibnall. He just goes for the standard silly, quirky lines all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I think he thinks that's who the Doctor is. But, yeah, there's been not enough weight and gravitas from her. I just, the worst thing about it is that I don't care about a Doctor. I haven't, haven't warmed to her enough to care about her Doctor, and that's the thing that's missing. Even with Capaldi when he was sort of finding his feet, you know, early on, I still liked his Doctor because there was still enough of an edge there to think, you know, hmm, you know, <laughs> yeah. so what's going on with him sort of thing. Yeah. But with Jodie, she's just so fluffy and lightweight and, and zany all the time. I just don't feel a connection with her enough to care, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can honestly say if, if they replaced her, tomorrow i wouldn't care i'd, I'd love to uh, just don't feel any sort of connection with her yeah. at all really which is this is the thing that frustrates me the most really yes. yeah. yeah no i i, I read you because as i was going through over the years um especially in the early years when i was getting into doctor who doctor who when i was going through like a binge watch of tenants era mm. i i would have it would have broken me <laughs> you know say for example if i was watching it live as tenants uh, stuff was going out in like 2006 through to whatever you know and he decided just to you know to replace him after one series or two series that would have broken me yeah and yeah. the same with matt smith and, and capaldi you know you there's a connection there there's something there that pulls you into that doctor even if the script isn't amazing or the story is not brilliant that's right yeah. you know it, it's that particular person who's got hold of the part that for you know that gets that just draws you in and just keeps you there and like you said with Jodie, she's just not quite doing that yet. You know, I think it's just a a writing and a strength thing. She's it's not definitely put a strength her foot thing. down enough. Yeah, she hasn't yeah. sort of stamped her foot as the Doctor. I, I think I said a few podcasts back. I, I one of the channels on TV was rerunning Tenants Era, and I just happened to turn over in the middle of New Earth, which is a story I don't particularly like. So his first sort of proper story, isn't it? When of series two, yeah. But I turned over at the scene where he's getting really angry and he's like, what have you done to Rose? And if you think there's another authority higher than me, there isn't because I'm the doctor. And I thought, blimey, Tennant, this is his first proper story. And there's the doctor. Like, cause, you know, away. Russell's just, yep. you know, he's stamped his foot. This is the doctor. We never got a moment like that from Jodie. And I think that's why she doesn't feel like the doctor to me. She hasn't stamped her authority on the role or stood up to anyone. I mean, when she met Tim Shaw, in the final, I thought, oh, we might get a good sort of face-off between the two here. No, what did she say? Oh, do you like my new coat? Ah! And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, Chibbers, give yeah. us some meat on the bones, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I read you, mate. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, that's all I've got for sort of poor moments. I'm hoping that the good moments have outshone those those few poor bits there. But uh, have you got anything else on the on the naughty list? No, no, not really. No, I'd be tre- <laughs> um, just one thing I am intrigued by is if you miss the cliffhangers because we got a cracking cliffhanger to the first episode where they were left hang, they were sort of dangling in space, and that really left me hanging on week thinking how <laughs> are they going to get out of that? You Lots know, it was it here. was really good, really good cliffhanger. I wouldn't want it every week, but I think the odd one or two would be nice just to just to sort of uh, you know hook you back in the following week to make sure you've got to be there to see it. I mean, I I, th- I think of the sort of the cliffhanger to utopia when the master locked the doctor out of the tards i mean that was a long week waiting for that conclusion which sadly sadly didn't live up to it but what a cliffhanger that was you know so the odd cliffhanger i think would have been nice in series 11 not every week but just maybe two or three would have been cool because that was a good one yeah i I thought maybe it comes down to the fact that we didn't have any two-parters either 
I think it's, it's obviously easier to throw a cliffhanger in when you've got a two-parter. Yes, true. So yeah. It, it, yeah. it's potentially easier to do. But even so, there's nothing... I mean, they did it anyway, didn't they? Like you said, at the end of episode one, it really left you thinking, how are they? How are they going to yeah. sort this out? Then they're literally in space about to die. That was so, a great cliffhanger. Yeah, but yeah. I, I agree. I do miss the old cliffhanger now and then. Yeah, for yeah, sure. The old sting coming in. And the only other thing is, uh, uh, are you interested in doing a little rundown of what your... I mean, I went back and looked at the scores to see what our, our favourite episode of the series was and what our least favourite. Uh, okay, yep. So I don't know. I, actually, sorry, I only did mine. I don't know if you've got your scores to hand there, but I yeah, think we're yep. I think we're on the same page, actually. From what I remember, we, we should be the same list. So um, best to worst, shall I do? Or should I do worst to best? Do worst to best. Go on. Worst to best. So I think we rated the Sanangra, Sinang- I still can't say it after all these Saranga weeks. Saranga Conundrum. Saranga Conundrum. Yeah. As last, uh, followed by the Battle of Ranskor Av Kolos. See, I've nailed that one. Uh, then yes. we had Arachnids in the UK, followed by Kablam, the Ghost Monument, and then we're into our top five. So our top five for Series 11 was The Witch Finders at number five. Okay. Yep. Uh, it Takes You Away at number four. Mm-hmm. Demons of the Punjab at number three. The Woman Who Fell to Earth at number two. And our top episode, probably no surprise, was Rosa. We considered that the best. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our that's our top ten of series eleven. Ah, yeah. So I think Rosa, I think rightfully deserves to be at the top. I think that was a strong although it had a pretty naff villain. Of course. You know, <laughs> Mr. Handsome Racist. Uh, it was a great episode, wasn't it? It, it was, was really fantastic. good. In terms of performance yeah. and everything. I mean, yeah. yeah. No. No, I think they're pretty solid scores. And yeah, I've yeah, I think it's been a long time since we reviewed episodes down in like the four out of tens and fives and stuff. So yeah, those work the, to the, do. those bottom two, we yeah we rated four point five and five was it or four point? They're both around the four point mark. Yeah, they weren't very high scores. Yeah. Uh, the one that we disagreed most with with our listeners was Kablam. Loads of people like Kablam, um, but we we're not part of the Kablam club. <laughs> no deliveries <laughs> for us. No deliverance for us, Dave. We rated that nut seventh on our top ten, but yeah. Hmm. There we go. There we go. There we go. That's our rundown for uh, for 2018. Series 11. Shall we yeah. land it again and let's do some some listener Q and A? Q and A. We did have a few uh, Q and A, uh, sorry, questions come in uh, from in audio clip format. Oh, cool! So let's kick off with Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary Adam and the Wiggly Box Podcast. So Q and A time. My first question, pretty generic question. I've got two generic questions. Then we'll get on to the fun one. So the first generic question is: Did you guys think this podcast would get as massive as it has? Obviously, you guys released merch. I don't know whether there is more merch at the minute. I'm very behind, sorry. Uh, however, I, I know at one point I was only passed over having a big blue box t-shirt. I don't know whether that's still a thing or if there ever were a thing. I've still got mine and it's lovely and thank you guys for that. My second question, Series 11 related. Uh, at what point did Jodie Whittaker become the Doctor for you? Because that was a big uh, asking point or uh, asking point. A big moment where people were like, has she become the Doctor yet? Ooh. Uh, yeah, when was that point for you this series? And my final uh, question is, who would win in a fight? 
a pating, or a drashig. <laughs> I, I personally don't know. I mean, because we could, we, we, we could be sitting here debating this. Do you know what? I've got the Series 12 story arc. It's Pating versus Drashig with Jodie Whittaker and, uh, and Bradley Walsh. And it turns out there's going to be an episode of The Chase in Doctor Who where the, the, the Pating is the chaser and Drashig is the, the challenger. I don't know what. I'm going off on a th- I'm going off on a rant now. But before I go, I just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Have a good New Year. Because um, 2018's been a weird one, uh, I think, for all of us. Uh, maybe not. Maybe you guys have had uh, just spectacular years. I've unfortunately had a rough year with uh, uh, you know, other things. Uh, but hope in 2019's going to be better. But yeah, have a good Christmas and just enjoy celebrating. Whatever you guys do celebrate, uh, you two, the listeners, uh, don't get too drunk or do. Uh, I'm not. I'm not in charge, but wouldn't, you know. Actually, uh, it's, it's 2018, go ham. Um, and we'll look forward to uh, watching uh, the 2019 uh, New Year's special. I almost said Christmas special, but it's New Year's. So uh, I'll enjoy watching that one. Anyway, guys, uh, see you guys all very soon. Take care. And have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Nice one, Alex. Yeah. Cheers, Alex. Do you know, if there's one thing to really finish Gary off and make sure he never watches Doctor Who again, it would be an episode with the Pating and the Drashig. I think that would just that would just finish him off. That would be enough for me. Yes. <laughs> that would be the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah thanks, mate. Have a great Christmas and New Year yourself. And yes. uh, thanks for all your support with the podcast over the years. Uh, the T-shirt, mate. Yeah, it's a limited edition, isn't it, that he's got? It's a limited he edition. Got, yeah. He got the first design, which I think we printed one of. <laughs> and you got it and then we redesigned it and yes. uh so yeah they're still out there but not the one you've got mate that is a a real literal one-off one of correct a kind, me if i'm yeah. wrong yeah so alex had three questions first one was did you guys think the podcast would get as massive as it has um first of all i don't think the podcast is massive at all um but thank you for thinking that it is um yeah i can't really <laughs> massive <laughs> massive um yeah we've never strived to be massive or whatever um we just uh love the listeners that we have got and if we do get a bunch of new listeners as we go through each episode then that's fantastic and um and welcome aboard obviously so uh yeah uh, question two was when did the 13th doctor become the doctor for you i think we both know the answer to that uh, she didn't Russ, that she hasn't yet and number three who would win in a fight between the pating and a drashig and i'm going to go with the pating hoping that it would eat that stupid, ridiculous <laughs> thing all up at once and spit it out. And... <laughs> well, I love the Drashik, so I'll go with the Drashik. You'll go with the Drashik. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, yo, next question. This is from Martin Arnold. Hello, everyone. I hope the, uh, the big blue box TARDIS is suitably decked out and ready for Christmas and that you guys have a good one and everyone listening. Um, I'll give my final thoughts on season 11 before I ask a question. Um, I think it was a little too safe. I think that Chris Chibnall played it a little too safe. There should have been more um, big bad monsters to fight rather than just not big bad monsters to fight because it's a staple of the show and I, I think that's what was needed. I did enjoy it overall, um, aside from the pating, which just blows my mind. I can't, I just that was the weirdest thing ever. Anywho, um, I, I wanted to ask this question um, because it's a bit of a downbeat one, but I've, I've wondered about this for a while, especially um, 
in the wake of Capaldi departing, I, I thought, rather early on. And my feeling is that the BBC expects too much from the cast, um, possibly also the showrunner, in terms of expecting them to attend conventions all over the world and do all sorts of social media stuff, YouTube, Twitter, Facebooks, and all the rest of it. I, I, I worry that this is something that affects the performance and, and burns out the actors, and I would, I would hate to see that continue. I, maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Anyway, that's a depressing question. Uh, once again, season's greetings, and I'm looking forward to more in the new year. Take care. <laughs> that's a good question, though. That is a very good question. Uh, thank you, Martin. Um, and a Merry Christmas to you also. Um, does the BBC expect too much from the actors, writers, etc.? Um, well, this part, this was kind of the reason for Capaldi. I think this was a contributing factor for him leaving, mm. wasn't it? That he was just absolutely knackered. Do you remember that? All that of the time. Time he was on stage and he looked, he said it himself, didn't he? I am exhausted, he said. And he looked really haggard. <laughs> he looked, he looked knackered, so yeah. tired, yeah. It's, it is a big schedule uh, on top of all the other stuff that Martin just mentioned. You know, there is no other show like it, I don't think, in terms of all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So did the BBC expect too much? I I think the BBC, um, I think they're kind of protected in themselves, really, because mm. I would say that every everyone involved in making the show knows exactly what's required and what goes into it. So if you're if you've auditioned for it, Jody, for example, and you got given, you were offered the part, I would say that you were fully briefed on all of the stuff that goes with it. So I think it's down to you as an actor beforehand to say, uh, can I can I comfortably get through this? Because I think Matt Smith said mm. the, start, the same thing as, or similar thing as well, that, you know, Doctor Who occupied 10 months out of 12 when he was working on it, not just filming, but all the other stuff that he had to do. Yeah, the promotion side and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, so I think in a way, Martin, yes, the BBC can potentially expect a lot. I don't, I'm not sure whether they expect too much, but I think they expect a lot, especially from the lead actor, whoever that is. But mm. I think it's also down to the lead actor as well to make that decision. You know, I think if they get offered it, they need to know full well going into it that it's not just going to be nine to five for a few months filming and then go home. I think they know beforehand that they're going to have a lot to do. So it's down to them whether they feel that they can commit to that. But it's definitely a factor. I mean, it definitely affected Capaldi for sure. Like you yeah. said, he was wrecked by the end of it. He was. He was definitely ready for a rest. He said it himself. Mm. Uh, it, it is a really grueling schedule. And I think, I suppose... It's good to point out all the promotional stuff they have to do because I guess you kind of forget about that, don't you? Take it a bit for granted. All the sort of appearances they make to publicise the show. Do you remember when they carted like Capaldi off to Australia with Jenna and photos in front of the bridge and then the next sort of couple of days he was in Japan or wherever and they do sort of, I mean, they really have to earn their money, I suppose. Yeah, I'm sure they get paid well, but they do, the BBC do expect a lot with Doctor Who. Uh, I think it's a really good point, actually. I've never thought that much about it before. But they, they do expect a lot and they expect you to, you know, behave when you're off screen as well. Do you know I mean, we've met certain, I'm not going to name names, we've met certain <laughs> people involved in Doctor Who that have, you know, they, they can't, oh, let me just put this cigarette out before you take a selfie because I can't be seen smoking and that sort of So there is a sort of bubble around Doctor Who that the BBC do have very high expectations and um, rightly so in some areas, but I think they are quite controlling. I think the one thing that slightly niggles me with the way they control the show is that 
a lot of the people that are involved with it in terms of the promotion and perhaps even just on the outskirts of it have to remain very positive all the time about the show. And it, unfortunately that's all well and good in theory, but we're so wise to it now with social media that we don't fall for it. So a lot of the time, again, mention their names, we'll see someone being overly positive about an episode that perhaps we all know really wasn't that great. And we, we just don't buy it. We're thinking, well, you're just saying that because you're too afraid to say your real opinion because the BBC might not invite you to the next premiere. And that's the side of it. I don't like they do quash people's opinions a bit with anyone involved with the show. And, you know, I'm not saying they should come out and sort of blast it to pieces, but sometimes you do see sort of, um, you know, reviews (laughs) or tweets from people and you think, well, you don't really think that do you? It's so blatant. We're not silly, you know, but we get that they have to be like that because of the way, yeah. the BBC is and that's the part that slightly niggles me I think it's a, a bit of a shame yeah that goes back to what I was saying earlier there's 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 a few podcasts and YouTubers and other people who are involved in the show to some degree like you said they could be right on the outskirts not directly involved in making it but they're involved mm. with the Beeb in some way and not going to name any names here but yeah it, it's just you know even somebody with a completely 100% intellectual common sense head on their shoulders wouldn't look at certain would look at certain things and think yeah that's pretty rubbish but then mm. on social media it's like oh this is absolutely brilliant you know and all that lot so you can tell a mile off but yeah it's one thing that worries me as well because i sort of think not this is ever going to happen but let's just say hypothetically if we if we were ever noticed by the bbc say and then we were sort of you you, you would be obliged to be you'd have to change and i think i don't think i would you know I, it, with, with, with all the perks that would come with it if you they would say well come and do this review but we've got to screen everything you said first and we've got to check that you're you know putting it in a positive light so you you know it's a compromise isn't it mm-hmm. do you want to be part of that bbc gravy train for want of a better word or do you want to actually give your honest opinion? Because I don't think the two necessarily go hand in hand, and it, I, no, I'm no. not by any means slagging off anyone that does do that because that's I understand. I think if I was given the choice, I'd think, oh, you know, I could be interviewing Peter Capaldi next week, but oh, I don't, I can't say anything bad. And it's like it is a tough choice, isn't it? You yes, sort of think sure. they're restricted, uh, and I just think it's a shame. And I'm, I'm laying the blame at the BBC. I just think they should let the reins off a little bit because people aren't stupid. They're, they're wise enough to make up their own minds and see when someone's being reasonable uh, about something course, rather than yeah. overly positive. And yeah, so that's yeah. a bit that slightly annoys me with the way the BBC expects things from people. Yeah, that's a good point though, Martin. Thank you. Mm. Uh, last couple of questions. We have two in from the same poison. Uh, this is Elliot, also known as Rotide on Twitter. Here's his first question. Hello, Gary and Adam. This is Elliot Ick here, Rotide. And a question I have for you guys is, should we be worried the fact that people are already wanting Chris Chibnall to leave and no longer be showrunner after one series because Moffat and RTD never had that kind of talk when they started. But yet Chris Chibnall does one series which it seems like it's very mixed, you know, in the way that people, some people like it, some people don't, some people are in the middle. And it, it, people are talking about the fact that they don't want him to be the showrunner anymore. And I want to know, should we be worried about that and should he leave i mean i know us debating isn't going to make any difference to whether he stays or not but what do you guys think do you guys think that he is fit to be the showrunner and do you think it's a bit worrying that we're we're already having this kind of debate one series in Hmm. it is slightly worrying i don't think we should be worried because in terms of 
the way the series has gone down in terms of viewing figures and that, I think the BBC are probably a bit, um, uh, what's the word, blinkered. They probably think it's been a great success. Um, yeah. And in many ways it has. Uh, so it's definitely brought back on the viewers and stuff. So the BBC are probably very pleased with Chris Chibnall, I would imagine, because I don't know if they actually get the general feeling of, of the fandom and, and, you know, the overall feeling. They're just going to judge it on the way it's, you know, gone down with viewing figures and stuff. I think what we'll be telling is how well the Series 11 box set sells, because uh, I think that will give them an indication of how many people, you know, liked yes. it enough to yeah. want to buy it. I mean, myself as a fan who who's very OCD and has to collect everything the minute it comes out, I'm not even bothered about getting it at the minute. I'm going to wait for it to come down in price. So yeah. that tells you something. Personally, I'd like to see him do one more series to see, uh, but I am actually already looking forward to him going because... One thing Chibnall has showed me as a fan over the years, not just a showrunner, is that his stories are always, they're, they're, for me personally, very average. Uh, they always have a really long build-up with a quick 10-minute resolution and stuff. And I just think, I think he's done some great stuff getting Doctor Who back in the mainstream, so I can't take that away from him. But as a showrunner, I don't think he's got what I want to see from a Doctor Who showrunner personally. So... I'd like to see him do one more series to see if he can actually surprise me and do something that I think is good. Um, and then I'll be quite happy to see him go. Uh, but as for should we be worried? A little bit, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What about uh, you, mate? What do you think? Yeah, thanks, Elliot. I think, um, yeah, I don't think we should be worried at all because, it, and this is going to sound very, very awful of me to say this, but, mm. you know, there, there, there's lots of talented writers out there. And it makes it sound quite awful because if I was Chibbers in in that position and I knew that, you know, a big bulk of fandom was like, you know, you've got to go, that you can help but take that a bit personally. So I understand mm. that we're talking about somebody's job and their livelihood here. Um, I'm not saying that he's, well, you know, I'm not saying that he's not well off, you know. But it, what I'm trying to say is there's, especially in the UK, we have a very good pool of very talented writers. And I think there's a, a selection of writers that could take on that job and be quite successful. So I don't think we should be worried in terms of will it affect the show. Um, and I, I guess it's a bit like it's the opposite because, you know, I'm not really into football these days, but you know sometimes when you see a football team and they've hired a new manager and then three games later they've sacked him or her because, you know, the team hasn't won any games. And you yeah. kind of think, well why the hell would you do that? You know, it's only three games in, you know, you need to give them at least a season's run to sort of get their feet mm. and, you know, get everybody rocking. It's like the opposite with Chibbers, you know, it's not like the team have let him down in any way. Cause like you're saying, the BBC probably look at it as a big success and everything's great. But in terms of all the little niggles and complaints and stuff from fandom, you know, that's not necessarily the actor's fault or the set designer's fault or the audio person's fault or anything like that it really does go up to the top of the chain. You can see that the hold that Chibble has on certain elements of the show is kind of having an adverse effect on it. Mm. So in that way, you think, well, yeah, you know, if, if a lot of these complaints are aimed at some of the things that he's doing or not doing, you know, he should step aside and let someone else who potentially could make it those things, you know, fix those things, let them have a go. But I think we'll see at least another series from him. I reckon uh, you know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm. But I think that another series, if it if it goes through the same stuff that we've gone through with Series 11, then I think we should be worried because then I think it's a case of, right, you lot sitting up 
at the top floor at the BBC Towers, surely you've got to start listening to people now. You can't mm. just say, right, it's had 5 million viewers, let's get the champagne out. You've yeah. got to start listening to fandom because otherwise it's that slippery slope of, you know, you just get a big backlash out of nowhere and then they just sort of wise-eyed, you know, their eyes are wide open in the back of the seat. Where the hell did all that come from? And then you've got mm. all the fandom saying, we've been telling you for over <laughs> a series now. So I'm granting a little bit, but yeah, I think um, we shouldn't be worried now. I think it's the opposite. I think if we have another series like this one, where things aren't quite as good as we hoped they would be, but then he still stays on and the BB still thinks it's all great, then we should be worried. Yeah, I agree. If they, yeah, I'm worried that they're going to look at series 11 and think, right, we need to keep that formula because that's worked. And I think, no, it hasn't really. So, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. hope they don't give us series 11 part two sort of thing. Because <laughs> I wonder what Jim wants to achieve with it. That's the thing. He's a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I'm, I said this on last week's podcast. What does he want to achieve with his era of Doctor Who? Because if series 11 is anything to go by, I, mean, I don't know what he was going for, really, apart from the, you know, refreshing it, which he did. But I wonder where he's going. For me, I'm thinking, is he thinking, right, yeah, I've, I've refreshed it, I've laid the you know, the land, now Series 12, I'm going to do everything I wanted to do in my life with Dot 2 sort of thing. I don't know, I hope so, because <laughs> if Series 11 is what he's been inside him for all these years that he's you know, desperately what to make, that's a little bit worrying, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm hoping Series 12 is when he actually really goes for it as yes. a showrunner. Indeed, yes. And we had a second question in from Elliot. Um, but I'm not going to play it because it's essentially something that we've already spoke about at length. And his question oh, right. was, have we had any experience with the negative or toxic side of fandom, oh, yeah. especially yeah, well. this year? And what are our thoughts? So um, forgive me, Roadside, I'm not going to play that question because we've already spoken about all that stuff at length earlier on. But um, yes, we have had experiences with it for sure. Yeah, yeah. more so this year than any other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those were the audio questions. Thank you so much for taking the time to record those and send them in. We had a bunch of questions in on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram and so on. So let's rattle through some of these. Mm -hmm. Let's get these. Uh, so uh, Twitter user uh, T T W uh, T Hooniverse says, uh, where would you take the show if you were a showrunner? Um, is In the Forest of the Night an underrated episode? Uh, you can choose from yes, yes, and yes, but with added drastic. Mm. Uh, that was on Twitter. So where would you take the show if you were showrunner? Adam, if you got offered the job tomorrow, what would be your MO for Doctor Who? Where would you take it? Yeah, it's a difficult question for me because I've never had any... I know, some, like I said previously, some people would love to make Doctor Who, wouldn't they? They do all these little fan audios stuff and they're really into it. And I'm a massive fan. I've watched Doctor Who ever since I can remember. But I've never had any inclination to to write stories or be a showrunner. So it's difficult for me to answer that one because I genuinely don't know. Um, I mean, one thing I would love to, if I suppose if I was a showrunner, would be to, to to sort of try and emulate a bit of the Hinchcliffe era, bring in some of the fun mixed with the horror. I think they got a great balance, mm -hmm. you know, in that particular era of Doctor Who. And that's what I would like to, if I was making Doctor Who, that's what I would aim to achieve is because... I think there was a lot of fun lacking from series 11 as well. You know, that's the sort of family audience mixed with a horror. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what I try and bring back. Some good, scary monsters, um, get the kids behind the sofa again a bit, but then have some fun humor with it, with like the Tom Baker and Sarah Jane interaction. So some more of that really. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't concentrate too much on Gallifrey. I know a lot of people would love to see the doctor go back to Gallifrey. Did it even get mentioned this year? Gallifrey? I, I don't, don't think know. we even got one 
I don't think we've got one mention. No. So yeah, I'd ground it a little bit more. I'd I'd bring you know bring back a bit of the the doctors. I'm not going to say history because that makes it sound like he's going to bang on about all the stuff he's done. But he's seen a lot, done a lot, and I'd I'd sort of bring a bit more of that to the show, I guess, so that he was you know the doctor's back sort of thing. Right. Yeah. What about you, mate? Because I really don't know where to go with that one. I've never really thought about it. Oh, can I just say in the Forest of the Night underrated episode? Absolutely not. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's one of the worst. Yeah. I, I can't bear that episode. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, over to you, mate. Uh, yeah. So in the Forest of the Night, nope, don't even bother. That's that dealt with. Um, where would you take the show, your showrunner? Um, do you know what, mate? This is where you and I are on the same page once again. Oh, really? Because I thought you were, I thought you'd got all these little stories in rattling around your head. Well, I, well I've got, like you, mate, I'm, I don't sit there and, and think, oh. right, I've, I would do this particular. I've got a couple of ideas, but, you know, yeah. Big Finish have already stolen one of them. Um, but the, <laughs> in terms of. Clive. If, if I was showrunner, it would be exact, well, very similar to your thoughts where I would lean a bit more on the success of some of those classic years, eras. Mm. So, um, Specifically, the the Hinchcliffe era, where I would just love to see who be a bit more, for want of a better word, a bit more terrifying from time to time. I just mm. really, yeah, and I, I don't get me wrong, I don't want to give kids nightmares for years. I don't want to scar their brains or anything like that. But I just want who to have that, like you said, that mix of, yes, it's a family show and it's aimed at adults and children, obviously. So that good mix of family entertainment, but just giving people the willies a bit more and having a th- really decent scary threat which was really really cool from the Hinchcliffe era mm. um, let's just bring some of that back you know let's just I don't know so that's where I think where we would go with so yeah showrunner stuff let's bring back some of that cool because I think there's so much there's so much good stuff in the classic years and it was so successful to a point I know it was a bit more of a cult almost or a niche show back then and it wasn't watched by as many people as, as it is now well to mm. some respects I think some of the Tom Baker era have dragged in a, a massive uh, amount of viewers but I mean in terms of um, mainstream pop culture you know nowadays it's very in your face about everything a bit like Star Wars and so on but back then in the classic years it was a bit more you watched it or you didn't you know you were aware of it or you yeah. weren't you know whereas now it's like even if you don't know what Doctor Who is you know what Doctor Who is, if that makes sense. I, I know what you're getting at. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next question. Uh, Twitter user, this is Lewis Blackmore. He says, What would you say your favorite story of each Doctor is? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, also, just wanting to ask whether you'll be returning to the old setup pre series 11 when you reviewed classic New Who, Sarah Jane and Torchwood. Uh, it's my turn to go first, mate. Um, Lewis, yes, we will definitely be returning to that format. So when we come back in January, not straight away because we'll be reviewing Resolution. But the week after that, then we'll start our rotation of those other bits. Um, what's my favourite story of each Doctor? Crikey. Uh, uh, so for the first Doctor, that would be... That would be An Unearthly Child. Second Doctor would be The War Games. Third Doctor would be um, Inferno. Fourth Doctor would be um, Pyramids of Mars. Fifth Ooh, Doctor yeah. would be uh, uh, Kays Vandrazani. Sixth Doctor would be, I don't know. Seventh Doctor would be um, Remembrance. Obviously the movie. Uh, Eccleston, uh, Father's Day. 
Tenth Doctor would be uh, the end of time, parts one and two. Eleventh um, Doctor would be uh, I don't know Capaldi. <laughs> I don't know and Jody. I don't know Rosa probably. Sorry, yeah. um, <laughs> have you got anything on top of your head that you could rattle through? Uh, so yeah, um, so first Doctor, I've always loved the War Machines. Okay, um, cool. Second Doctor, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to say the Mind Robber, but actually, there, what is it? there is one that I like. But I'll go with the Mind Robber. I've always enjoyed that one. It's a fun one. It's not the best though. There is one I like more. I just can't think of it. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Mind Robber. Third Doctor, Inferno. I think it's is fantastic. Fourth Doctor is one I really. There's so many Tom in there. <laughs> Which one did you go for? Pyramids of Mars. Yeah. Um, I actually really love Seeds of Doom. Oh, cool. Uh, yes. And I always that yeah, I always get that mixed up with the Seeds of Death, which is the second order. But Seeds of Doom um, <laughs> is is a great one with the crinoids. A uh, great story. Uh, fifth Doctor. Uh, which did you say? Caves. Caves. Yeah. I mean, it probably is caves, isn't it? But I'll go with a different one. Um, time flight. <laughs> no, not time flight. Earthshock. No. Go on. Go on. Earthshock. A visit, the visitation. That's a good one. I actually, yeah, visitation. I love, really do. I was going to say shock, but yeah, visitation is good. Um, uh, so sixth Doctor. Oh dear me, there isn't many I like of his at all. I'd probably go Revelation of the Daleks. Actually, oh uh, yeah, not bad. Um, oh no, sorry, fifth Doctor, Resurrection of the Daleks. I blimmin' love that. Okay, absolutely yeah. love that. Um, seventh Doctor. Time of the Rani, obviously. <laughs> I genuinely love Time of the Rani, but it's not my favourite. Um, seventh Doctor would be. Um, it's got to be Remembrance, hasn't it? it? Well, you said Remembrance. Um, it, it is Remembrance, but another one I love is Greatest, Greatest Show, show. Yep. and <laughs> Curse of Fenric. So yep. those, yeah, it's difficult to choose. Seventh Doctor. Eighth Doctor would be a TV movie. Uh, ninth Doctor, uh, the two-parter, Parting of the Ways and uh, Bad Wolf. Oh, um, yes. Yep. I absolutely, that is the best series final, and it's I just love that two-parter. Yeah, it's amazing. Hologram scene. Oh, welling up already. Uh, tenth Doctor, Gosh, where'd you get? There's so many with him. He's got some great stories, isn't he? Um, I do really like Utopia. I know it's a sort of <laughs> a bit of a sort of part of a three trilogy, loose trilogy, isn't it? But I, I think Utopia is a fantastic. Waters of Mars, though. Oh, it's a cracker. Let, yeah. I'm going to go Waters of Mars. Okay, that is cool. a superb episode. Eleventh uh, Doctor. I didn't like many of his stories. It's weird. He's one of my favourite doctors. I can think of one. Maybe the Eleventh Hour. Well, That's yeah, I was going to go with eleventh hour. Um, oh, um, I really like. I know it's not a common opinion, but I really like um, the Doctor's Wife. I watched that recently. Do you? I know it's not of a common, but I, you know, I don't care. I like it. Um, <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, no, it's okay. I don't mind Doctor's Wife. I know a lot of people like it. I think it remind me of some other episodes. I really can't think of any eleventh. I, yeah. I was going to go eleventh hour because it's that's uh, his first episode. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Vincent and the Doctor that's a good one oh god could have picked that one Ah, no Uh, I've got it that's mine 12th Doctor um, do you know I really like Mummy on the Orient Express actually I just love how Capaldi is in that Um, and also the Zygon 2 part I thought was great uh, from his era and the 13th Doctor Rosa Rosa yeah I think do you know what Lewis if you ask me next week all of my answers will change pretty much I couldn't think of a a 12th Doctor one but I think I'm going to say Heaven Sent Possibly. Evan Sent. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, a lot of people like that one, don't they? Brilliant. Um, I'm just looking, I've got a list up of 11th Doctor episodes because I have to remind myself, oh God, there is some drivel in here. Yeah. He's my, he's one of my favourite Doctors as well, but his <laughs> stories are awful. Nightmare in Silver, Journey to the Centre of Time. Oh man, he had some real clangers, didn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? It's really hard to pick a, a good story from this load of old rubbish. It's the same yeah. for me, though, for all the newer doctors. I could, my mind changes all the time. I think for Tenet, yeah. I also would have gone with um, Human Nature and Family of Blood. I also would have gone Ooh, with um, yeah. uh, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Love that. Yeah. Midnight, Turn Left. Oh, oh turn left. I love turn left. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Do you know what the the family of blood two part is? Is brilliant actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good ones in his era. Lewis, you've you've really thrown us there, mate. So <laughs> we've answered a few of them, anyways. Yeah. Uh, right, I'm gonna have to rattle through these. Um, Natasha Ayla. Oh, that would be my wife. She was being very. She had a comedian moment. Can you walk us through your beard maintenance regime? Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. You said anything. I did say anything. Did say anything. Beard maintenance, yeah. Uh, keep it clean, keep it trim. There you go. Can't say <laughs> yeah. anything more than that. Can't say any more than that. No. I, I in fact I, I want a new beard trimmer for Christmas if uh, if mum's listening. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been using the same one for about ten years and it's it actually hurts to use it now. <laughs> it nearly it nearly rips my face off every time I trim it. <laughs> oh. So there's a Christmas present idea. Yeah, there we go. My wife, the comedian, everybody. Yeah. Um, Charlie Turner how do you both plan to get series 11 on home media uh, steelbook regular blu-ray regular dvd or all three um, whichever one's cheapest but whenever <laughs> for me yeah do you know it's funny because I the, as soon as they announced the steelbook as it's an Amazon exclusive I pre-ordered it straight away obviously it's before series 11 aired um, and uh, and then they they released the final image for it the other week and I thought that is a really boring looking steelbook. Um, and I thought, well, I'll obviously still get it because I can't not have it. I, you know, OCD, got to complete my collection. And then, and then I was like, but the price is still 50 quid, 48. I'm like, no, there's no way I'm paying 48 quid for that. So mm. I've cancelled my steelbook and, and if it sells out, I'm not bothered. I'm hoping it'll come down in price and then I'll order one again. Uh, I've got to say the packaging for the regular Blu-ray looks good absolutely stunning they have done a great job does. yeah with that yeah. um so i will probably pick up the regular blu-ray box set when it gets slightly reduced yes yeah, so, again it's yeah. a bit pricey at the minute yeah so no idea charlie which is a shame because normally we'd have pre-ordered it and stuck with it and all the rest of it but uh, it's another series nine isn't it it'll just pff, i still haven't got series nine yeah. i've got the steelbook actually yeah. but i haven't got the regular release yeah Right, Dean Jones, what was your favourite convention experience this year? For me, it was definitely meeting Tom Baker, Matt Smith, Peter Davison, Paul Mackey and Richard Wilson. Yay! Just to name a I few. I don't believe it, So, Steve. for me, yes, it would have been London Film and Comic Con for many reasons. Um, although, yes, it's busy, it's loud, it's knackering, all the rest of it. Uh, I did meet my, one of my heroes, Ray Park, Darth Maul there, plus I met my other hero, David Tennant, as the Doctor there. So that was a cracking event for me. Yes, it's big and a big behemoth of a thing and and all that lot but um yeah that was it for me what about you mate yeah um for me it would be finally getting a picture of matt smith um because uh, as long time listeners will know there's a bit of a story there about me meeting him twice and him being lovely and and uh, i've never managed to get a photo with him uh just one of my hand uh so uh, yeah to get finally get a proper picture of matt was good he's such a dude i love matt smith love his doctor as well despite his awful stories um Meeting Tom Baker again is always good. So I finally got a smiley picture with him because uh, he. I've got a really unsmiley one with him, bless him. But that was good. So yeah, LFCC was, I think, a highlight. It was stressful. It, it was stressful. But when we all got down the pub at the end of it and we're looking at our pickies and stuff and who we'd met and, and Chris Eccleston actually turned up as well, which we 
were amazed about because he was announced his first ever UK convention on. I think we were all wondering if he would cancel um, and he didn't and he showed up and he looked like he had a great time. So that was another highlight was seeing that. And that brilliant moment when him and Matt met <laughs> yeah. walking across the, uh, you know, the In building. Between. Yeah, it's awesome. That yeah. was an awesome moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's LFCC. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Hickey says, In the new year, any chance we could get your reviews of the three novels from Series 11? Would love to hear your and listeners' thoughts. Also, talk about your favourite episodes of all time. Gosh, that could take forever. Yeah, we can't do that, mate. That'll take another podcast. But in terms of book reviews, we don't really do that, I'm afraid, Daniel. We haven't got the... Well... No. You know, I don't really read Doctor Who books regularly enough, I think. I read them sort of now and then when I've got one time. One of but... our other team might, you know, like Jordan Shortman and stuff, might do a little yeah. online review for us. That's something he might be interested in doing. Yeah, I was going to um, say, our team of writers would be more likely to review books and stuff like that because our writers review sort of Big Finish and, and other bits and pieces from Who and stuff. So maybe they would uh, throw some reviews up there, Daniel, but not from us, I'm afraid, on the podcast. Not on the podcast. I had a lovely idea of, of a video I wanted to do on my YouTube channel, but um, I'm afraid by the time I got round to even thinking about filming it, the books had been out a couple of months and I kind of felt the moment had gone, but I um, I was going to do like a little Jack and Ori, like of me sat reading the first chapter. <laughs> say, you know, give a little review of the book, a little two-minute review saying my thoughts on the book. And then I said, and here's a sample. And I was going to be, <laughs> so midnight and the doctor walks through the fire and i thought that'd be lovely just be sat in a little wooden chair reading the first <laughs> chapter of each book and i really really wanted to do that um but i'm afraid i ran out of time and the books have been out for weeks now and i kind of think the moment's gone <laughs> so oh, maybe i'll do it if another doctor book because i may have i don't know why i just really want to do that but yeah but not on the podcast sadly that'll be on my my youtube channel if anything yeah, yeah. okay um twitter user and uh, chloe rebecca zero zero says how do you feel about Oh, sorry, no, sorry, I've missed one, sorry. Uh, Matt Searson said, uh, asked, what would you, what would be the next missing Doctor Who story you would like to see animated after Ooh, Macra? Oh, yeah, after Macra. Um, after Macra. Um, I'd really like to see Evil of the Daleks, actually. Oh, I was just going to say that, dude. Were you? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, just because visually I think it would be a great one with the Dalek Emperor up on his big old yeah. stage and all that. Um, and also I do think Second Doctor is good for animation because they're so quirky, you know, the dialogue and stuff. So, you know, like, I mean, I love the first Doctor Zero, but it can be very stilted. There's often lots of long gaps in between dialogue, isn't there? But Troughton Zero is a bit more quirky, so mm-hmm. I'd probably go with one of his. So, yeah, Evil of the Daleks springs to mind. Um, what other ones? The Power of the Daleks might be a good one. Well, that's already been done. That's already been done, is it? Power thought, of the Daleks. I thought that was missing, that one. They've animated it, though, didn't they? Oh, of course they did, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's funny because for years that was my answer. Like, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know other than that. I think maybe, obviously, um, a a big one would be Marco Polo. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. I mean, that's been floating around as uh, as a rumour for ages, isn't it? Yeah. So that would be a good one, yeah. Yeah. Or otherwise, I don't know, Space Pirates, has that been done? Oh, no, you wouldn't want that. Oof. Just for the quirkiness of it, just for the weirdness, really. It would be good to have some more Trouton, exactly. but maybe not that. Yeah, maybe not know. that one. No, there's a no. few. There's a few, Matt. But um, Fury from the Deep might be quite nice. Is any? Does any of Fury from the Deep exist? I can't remember now. Can't remember. I think it's completely missing. Yeah, I but, think. But no, Terror of the Daleks would be a good one. Evil of the Daleks. Sorry, Evil of the Daleks. Evil that would be a yeah. great one to have. Yeah, 
I'm going to say that in Fury from the Deep. I'm pretty sure most of that, if not all of it, is missing. That would yeah. be a nice one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Chloe, Rebecca, zero, 00. So, how do you feel about this series not having a story arc like all the previous series or New Who has, uh, as I feel like it really let it down? Um, an overall story arc, mate? Um, I think, yeah, I think it could have benefited from something running through it a little bit. Not so much as a, not enough of a Moffat in your face. This is what's happening leading up to something. Um, but just mm. maybe little bits here and there would have benefited maybe a little bit. Yeah, we got that. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I didn't want a massive story out this year, but some sort of little tiny little thread, yeah. a bit like the bad wolf thing, would have been nice. We did get that timeless child thing, didn't we, that went nowhere. Went I nowhere, thought that was going to be a little something, didn't you? Yeah, it went nowhere though, mate. Yeah. Went nowhere, no. Yes. But yes, it would have been nice, Chloe, a little bit. Yeah. Just a little something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our regular listener and reviewer, Sammy Satine, says, how many episodes would make up your ideal series? Uh, and which writers who previously wrote for Doctor Who, excluding Russell and Moff, would you like to see write for Doctor Who again? A uh, number of episodes that would make up an ideal series. I mean, I think 10's a good one. Yeah. I, I think 10 episodes a series, because you do have like some of the, the big US um TV shows, they're like 20-odd episodes a series, and um, that can be a bit... It goes on a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. On. So I think 10's a good... 10 or 12, I think, is a good is a good number for me. Um, I like 12 plus a Christmas special. What's right. 13 was a good... You get 12 episodes in a, in a special, I think, it's a good run. I agree with you. I think anything past that, you start... They start struggling to, to sort of fill the episodes, and I'd rather have 12 really good episodes than, like, 20 dragged out yeah true you know yeah. like star trek discovery yeah <laughs> just uh, yeah <laughs> uh, writers uh, who previously wrote for who excluding the showrunners um i'd like to see paul carnell come back but i don't oh, think right, he's yeah. interested you know i'd like to see him do something i, th I think he's still got some great ideas he never wrote for dot two but i'd love to see andrew cartmell do something andrew i, I tell you what I'll, speaking of andrew cartmell um i'd love to see ben uh, Aronovich come back and write something. Oh yes, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, you'd probably have to, yeah, <laughs> you'd probably have to buy a few books off uh, Andrew before he comes back. But yeah, I would like to see him. <laughs> I'd like to see him do something. And Ben's a great show, actually. He'd be, he'd be good. Mm. But yeah, Paul Cornell, I think would would be great. But I think he's sort of, you know, he's doing other things. So I don't think he's interested in coming back. Yeah. Uh, Edward Galuli says, uh, which classic villain would you like to see brought back in series twelve? Uh, for he he for him he says the worm, um, and question two is uh, which lost story would you like to see animated next? So we've answered that one already. Uh, okay. Edward. Uh, classic villain brought back for oh. series twelve. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to say it before you say it. Go on. The Sea Devils. Yes. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. And it makes me only... look like I'm copying you all the time. <laughs> it's the only. <laughs> it's the only time I've had an answer to one of these questions <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. Oh, definitely the Sea Devils. The sea Absolutely, I'd love to see them come back, but but they'd have to. I don't want them getting rid of the vest. You know? Oh no! Don't not. don't go changing them up. I mean, we don't want those warrior style ones like we got in Warriors of the Deep. We want the classic. No, I gen genuinely would love to see the Sea Devils come back, and I think, despite my reservations about Chibbers, he might actually do a decent job with them. Um, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, definitely the Sea Devils. Yes. Uh, is there anyone else? Or um, definitely not the Drashigs. Definitely no, not the Drashigs. No, you don't want to see. I mean, I like the Drashigs, but not the Drashigs. I would like to see Sutek in a. In You'd a like to see Sutek story. back. Yeah, oh, I know he's been okay. in big finish, but I'd like to see him mm. doing his thing. Yeah, 
Um, gosh, there must be loads, but I, I just I, I could only think the Sea because that's exactly what I was thinking in my head. I didn't like what Chivers did with the Silurians. I've got to admit, I never never liked the new series uh, Silurians particularly, but yeah, totally unrelated, and it never happened. But I'd like <laughs> to see the big robot from Tom Baker's first story clunk into the room as well. <laughs> Oh, oh mistress, uh, you must die. I'd like to see him come back, yeah. but he won't. He won't, of course not. <laughs> the no. most uncomfortable suit ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. So the sea devils mainly. I Definitely, yeah. I think we're in absolute agreement. They would be great yeah. to come and get them back. Uh, our friends over at the Who Addicts uh, says, how much does resolution need to be accessed for you personally? Since we have had a whole year with no Doctor Who after this, uh, how much pressure is on there for this episode to be great for you personally? So, personally speaking, I'm in two minds about this because I think based on Series 11 that we've had, the New Year's Day special would need to go down as one of the best episodes in Doctor Who ever mm. to sort of redeem, for me personally, the weaker parts of Series 11. And I honestly don't think the Chibbers has got it in him at the moment to do that so I think for me personally it needs to be a success just anyway it needs to be a success um, but for me personally it will need to go yeah it would need to be some of the best who we've ever seen to bring it back from where it's been <laughs> mm -hmm. it is quite important for me because I yeah I did as I said recently did have slightly fallen out of love with the show a little bit not with the previous classic era i always love that but there's no excitement or love for for jody's doctor for me at the minute so it is personally quite important that this episode needs to do something for me to make me think actually yeah i'm actually you know what hit and miss series 11 i'm quite quite on board with these guys again so it does need to succeed in terms of that i'm not going into it with any big expectations though at all why because like you just said i don't think Chib chibnall's got it in him no. I have seen no evidence from anything he's written for Doctor Who thus far that fills me with any confidence that he's got it in him to deliver what I think I need need it to. But um, I'm not going to go into it with very high expectations. I just hope I come out of it thinking it was a good episode. That'll be that'll be fine for me. If I come out of it thinking, yeah, I enjoyed that. It doesn't need to blow my socks off, but it, I need to I need to enjoy it because yeah. if I don't, if I come out of it feeling like I did with the final. <laughs> then that's going to be really bad news for me personally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I need to yeah. just enjoy it. It doesn't need to blow my socks off, but God, if I don't enjoy this Christmas special, that's, yes, yeah, not going to be good news. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Connor McHale says, what stories outside of the TV series are you most looking forward to? Whether it's Big Finish, Titan, BBC Books, Lethbridge, Stewart Books, etc. Um, I can't, I don't know of too much that's coming up that I'm mega excited about. The only thing is the Big Finish story with clive and um oh yeah so that's going to be a, a really cool one i think outside of that the only other thing really is the big um uh celebratory episode or story that they've got coming out a big finish you know the 20th anniversary is it 20 yeah something uh something like that something yeah like the that. big one yeah, yeah. the big multi-doctor story thing that's similar to what they did with um like the end yeah so those two i'm really looking forward to otherwise there's not really any books or other big finish, really? Anything you make you're looking forward to? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to that multi-doctor one, the celebration one, whatever it's called. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to the the next, um, you know, the tenth doctor one with uh, Donna and Wilf. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's it. Be volume good. three. Yeah, Must volume be, three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of big finished ones. Books, I don't know. I haven't really seen much coming out um, book wise. So can't think of anything book wise off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, so a couple of big finish that are on my radar. They got some great Blake Seven coming up as well, which I know is not related, but I'm really looking forward to more Blake, Blake Seven. Blake, they yes. do a great job with it. Actually, they yeah. really do. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, James Coleman, are you guys planning on doing any conventions or meetups in 2019? We'd love to meet you guys one day. We. Oh, will... I'm sure we will. Yeah, we've already sorted out who I want to meet at Comic Con Spring and the big one, and I want to try and get to an MCM con this year as well i heard they're they're pretty good i heard they're pretty good i've heard really mixed things about mcm because i i've never done one and i keep thinking every year oh i might do one this year and then i hear horror stories of how overcrowded they are and photo studios are but i am still i mean you have to go and experience these things yourself because you'll always hear good and bad so i might do an mcm this year but yeah i've got lfcc spring on the radar yes they got some good guests this year. Yeah. I mean, we generally don't travel outside. <laughs> we don't travel outside of London, really. No. For these things. I mean, I know there's plenty of stuff going on. Uh, I know Wales Comic Con is getting bigger each year. That might be a good one to go to. Um, I'm not sure about any up north, really. So it's normally the London ones. But in terms of the MCM one, mate, it can't be any worse than... London Film and Comic Con at the Olympia some years. Jesus. <laughs> no. It can't be any I, worse, can it? <laughs> and I will say this. Sorry, who, what was, who asked the question? What was their name? Uh, James Coleman. James. I will say this as well, James. I'm not particularly fun to meet at conventions. Um, I, I'm really not. I'm I'm very stressy. I'm normally darting around trying to do a million things. The the best events to meet us, and and I'm uh, this ties in with what you originally asked, are the BFI events. Because uh, oh, A... Yeah. I really enjoy them. B, I'm really relaxed because there's no trying to get to things, you know, that are halfway across the, the room and it's just a relaxed event. Um, so I'm hoping we'll get one for season 18. I'm hoping they'll do a fourth doctor event at the will, BFI. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure they will. Um, they're going to do one for the Macro Terra, which I'm really looking forward to. So um, in terms of meeting us, I don't, I, I, me personally, Gary's much more chilled than me, but me personally, I'm a ball of stress at conventions. I always feel bad when I bump into people because I've never got time to talk or or whatever, and I'm normally quite miserable. Um, <laughs> I, I only enjoy them when they're over. Like The, the best event for, part of the event for me is down the pub after. Um, but you catch us at a BFI event. Um, I think I'm in my element there, mate. I don't know about you. I love them. Yeah. The BFI bar... I just love the BFI events. That's the one to catch me at. Or Phantom. They're a lot more chilled. Catch me at a Phantom oh, event. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not yeah. normally too... too yeah, they're, they're, I normally enjoy those a lot. Yeah. They're in Chiswick, so they're good. Yeah. So basically, if you can get to any of the London events, ideally the BFI showing, then yeah, that'll be the uh, the more chilled. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're you're okay. You're, you'll be fine to meet Gary at LFCC, but I'm just a stress ball at those events. <laughs> it's quite amusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lee Clough says, do you still think there's a chance that Torchwood will return to our screens? No. No, I don't think no. so. And I'll be honest, now we've started rewatching them, I kind of hate to say this, but I kind of think it's had its day, you know. Um, yeah. I think Big Finish are doing a good job with Torchwood. Yeah, um, they are actually. Yeah. From what I hear, because I, I don't have them because I just can't afford them. But yeah. um, I hear they're doing a good job. And I, I just, I don't know. I just kind of think it's had its day. There was a time I really wanted it to come back. There mm. was a time I would have loved to have seen it return. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I kind of think it's had its day. No, I don't think it will. And I think last year, was it last year or the year before, John Barrowman really threw himself oh, into it. desperate. And, yeah. And he had meetings with the BBC and he had a run-in with the moth over it and all that stuff. And he really had a big old push to try and get another series done. And in the end, he just relented and just accepted the fact it wasn't going to happen. And so he he accepted the whole Big Finish thing. So I think that's where it's at with Big Finish. I can't see it making a return to TV. I'd like, I wouldn't mind seeing Captain Jack pop up in Dot 2 again at some point. That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. But yeah, yes. that's it. Uh, okay, let's have a look. Um, uh, oh. Jessica Leffelman says, my question is, out of all the Doctor or Companion announcements, which were you most excited to find out about and why? Out of all that, what, for Series 11? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. My question is, out of all, well, maybe not Series 11, but oh. out of all the Doctor or Companion announcements, which were you most excited to find out about and why? So, Series 11, I guess it had to be the Doctor. yeah. You know, that was so intriguing because even before Jodie was announced, there was so much chat and hype about will it be a female this time and mm. and that whole subject. So in terms of just intrigue alone, it would have been the Doctor for me for Series 11 in terms of announcements. But overall, um, overall, I guess I was... You know, I was I was really excited to find out who was going to be in it after Clara left. Once they had done with the whole Clara thing, yeah, I was really intrigued to find out who they were going to replace her with. Whether it was again similar thing, would, would it be a male companion, female, what mm. they'd be like, and all the rest of it. So that was quite uh, that was a bit of a nice build up for me in terms of who was going to replace Clara because I think she'd overstayed her welcome personally for a bit. But um, yeah. Yeah, what about you, mate? Anything you can but, think of? Any cool announcements for companions or doctors? That's a good show. Actually, just before I answer, just I'm just intrigued. Do you do you prefer the big Capaldi-style half-hour show announcement, or did you like the little teaser that we got where Jodie um, arrived? Which do you, do you which do you prefer? Do you like the big build-up show or not? I didn't like either of them. You like okay, all right, well, that answers that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah miserable old so and so. Because <laughs> um, I'm always torn on that. I quite like I, the one I liked was the Matt Smith one when they did. I, it was again a bit like the Capaldi. They did like a little half hour show, and then he was finally on the screen at the end. I don't know how they managed to keep that secret, you know. <laughs> um, I quite enjoyed that, and that was a good build up. Um, I, I think I've got to agree with you about Bill because there was quite a bit of excitement about who the new companion would be. Um, I don't remember getting it with. Amy and Rory for some reason. Hmm. Were hmm. they announced alongside the Doctor? I really can't remember I, now. I Were they so. in the trailer? Or, I no, don't I think know. Amy was. I think Amy was. Yeah, I just don't remember much of a build-up to that, but I might just be the passing of time as I raised it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really, that that announcement for the 13th Doctor was um, possibly the biggest excitement for me because I felt... You know, because of the way the show had gone, and also I felt we were going to get something a bit different. I was amazed when it was, you know, revealed to be a f our first female Doctor at the time. I was like, oh, wow, they've actually done it. Uh, I was genuinely shocked. Um, so I think that's got to go down as the biggest. Yeah. 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 I'll read you. Uh, last question then uh, from Lawrence Baxter is, my question, I've been reading a lot of Doctor Who novels recently, so what are your favourites that you'd recommend and why? Two novels. Novels. Um, I can't really comment too much on novels, but in terms of Doctor Who books, there's a few that have, I've read a couple of times which are awesome. Um, one of my favourites um, 
is from Russell T. Davis, The Writer's Tale. Oh, superb. If you haven't read that yet, so that's, yeah. that's a belter. That's sort of, uh, it's like a behind the scenes look at Russell writing the final era of David Tennant's Who. Um, and it's written in conjunction with um, Ben somebody. Benjamin Cook, isn't it? I think it's Ben Cook, yeah. And it's basically a series of emails between the two of them. And it's a real fascinating insight into Russell's how he writes and things that happen along the way and stuff like that. And another book that's really good is Andrew Cartmell's um, The Script Doctor. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really, really good book. So that goes through the whole final era of classic Doctor Who and the, the uh, as they wound down McCoy's era and all that stuff. And so that's really good. Um, in terms of other books and novels... Um, there's a really, really good book about Target novels. Oh, that's that is a good book. Yeah, yeah. So I can't. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it, it lists them all, doesn't it? And talks about how you know Target yeah. over the years. It's a great book, those. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I mean, there's a couple of old. I mean, some of the um, novelizations for stories like Rose is really good. Yeah, that's a really good story. Um, in book format. Um, I was going to say Rose. I remember you saying that that you liked that because RTD sort of fleshed out a lot more of the story in that one. Yes, yeah, it's good. Uh, otherwise, um, it's hard to it's hard to think when you're sort of on the spot. But I'm just looking I remember, over at the bookcase. Um, yeah, I'm just doing the same. I remember I did enjoy um, City of Death uh, by James Goss. He did a great job novelising that. Yeah, I'll tell you what is good actually. The very first Lethbridge Stewart book from Candy Jar. That was really good when they kicked off their run for Lethbridge Stewart. So the first one mm. of those is very, very good if you can pick that up. Yeah. Uh, I also enjoyed, um, it's not a novel, but um, uh, Barry Letts did a little book about his time on Dots Who called, I think it's called Who and Me. I'm trying to see it on my shelf. Hang on. I think that's what it is, yeah. I'm seeing it. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Some fun stories about John Pertwee being a cheeky so-and-so, nicking things from set and all that. But that was a great read. I also really like Matthew Waterhouse's book, Blue Box Boy. Even though he talks about himself in the third person all the way through, which is just bizarre, uh, he does talk a lot about his you know time on set, meeting Tom Baker and stuff, and uh, it's quite a cheeky book in many respects. He's quite it's typical Matthew Warhouse, but I did really enjoy reading that actually. Um, it's worth well worth a little read. <laughs> yeah, can't really. Yeah. Um, there is one other book again. It's not a novel, but um, there's a book called Adventures with the Wife in Space. Oh yeah, yeah, which is by Neil Perryman. Um, that's a really good book. Essentially, he's watching every single episode of Classic Who with his wife, and his wife doesn't really, she's not really into Doctor Who at all. So it's like their journey going through watching all of Classic Who from start to finish. So that's a really, really good book. Um, and I actually had Neil on the show. He was my first guest. I think he was on on like episode two or three or something. Uh, so go back and listen to that because it's he's a really cool guy and he's brought out, I think he's done a Blake Seven version Adventures yeah, with the wife well and Blake, Blake or something seven, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really cool book. So I'm sorry, there's not sort of great many novels, so to speak, but there's plenty of really good Doctor Who books in general mm. uh, to pick up. But um, hopefully that's given you a couple of ideas. Yeah, Gareth Roberts did a good novelization of Sharda as well. That's well worth picking up. I really enjoyed yes, that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, That's good. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, that's it. I mean, there was a couple of questions there. I couldn't read them all out because there's, there's a ton of them and there was a few that were just duplicates and stuff. So if I haven't read your question, I'm very sorry. I've read them all, um, but I just haven't got enough time to um, to go through them all. Um, so 
that's Q&A done. Hopefully that's answered the bulk of them. Uh, but we do need to uh, tell you who's won the, the Blu-ray box sets. Yeah. So let's do that. Competition winners time. Competition winners time. <laughs> uh, so, um, we have got two copies of the Season 19 Blu-ray limited edition box set to give away. Thank you to zoom.co.uk. Awesome as always. No hesitation in supplying those to give away. So thank you very much. Um, let me just make sure I've got my little macro fired up to pick out a random person or persons in this case. Right, I've got the sound clip that you love. I love this sound clip. While this is churning away. <clears throat> Let's do it. So, three, I'm going to hit the button. Three, two, one. <laughs> churning away. Here we go. One and two. Right, the first winner is... Oh, he asked... A, uh, he, uh, he sent in a couple of questions. It's Elliot, also known as Rotide. Oh, Rotide. Elliot, or Rotide well, on Twitter. Well done, man. You've bagged one of those. And the other person is uh, somebody called the Hoovianeer. Ho Hoovianeer, I think is the right way to say it. They entered in on, on Twitter. Hoovian's um, ear? Uh, as in an ear? Or I think it's Hoovianer. Who, oh, who know? Oh, right, yeah, some, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah, well, I know, I know them from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was thinking of a Hoovian ear, as in an earlobe. As in a, <laughs> a Hoovian ear, listening to every, all your thoughts. <laughs> the Hoovianer, I think, is the right. <laughs> way. Yes, I so, do know. Do know them? Yeah. Rotide, aka Elliot, and the Hoovianer. Uh, I will be on in touch very shortly to get your mailing addresses. We'll get them out to you. Thank you so much, everyone else that entered. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing a bunch more uh, giveaways throughout 2019. Mm. I'm pretty sure we always do them from time to time so thank you for entering well done you guys for winning I'll be in touch and uh, I'll get those out to you and I think that's going to do mate for 214 and for 2018 yes indeed Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us, literally sticking with us for this episode and all of 2018 and all the previous years. If you've been a long time listener, it's been a it's been a strange old year. It's been a funny old year. Yeah, we've waited a long time for Doctor Who, and I think in some respects we got a a, a fairly good crack at the whip in this one. But also mm. fair to say that yes, I think there's work to be done. Yeah. In some areas. Uh, in terms of 2018, you and I have had another cracking year for the podcast. Um, our listen account has gone up, as it does every year, which is great. So thank you all of you so, so much for um, subscribing to the show, chatting with us at events, um, sending in your audio clips, all that stuff, uh, leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes and all that stuff. It's so appreciated so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We love all of you. Yeah. Uh, just to confirm, there's no show now for a couple of weeks. Uh, Adam and I are going to take a couple of weeks off to put the feet up 
and chill and relax over Christmas and New Year. So our next show will be Friday the 11th of January and that will be a review of Resolution, the New Year's Day special. So nearer the time we'll be asking for your thoughts on that. So just confirm no podcast for the next two weeks. We'll be back in January, uh, all fresh and sober, hopefully. (laughs) We'll see. Yes. Uh, In the meantime, though, there's a ton of stuff to check out on Adam's YouTube channel. So head over there, The Geek's Handbag. Indeed. Go and have a look. Yes, just do a search on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Give him a sub and a like on his video. So many cool videos you can get lost for ages (laughs) surfing through that. And you're also on all the socials, aren't you? So I am indeed. Yep. The same name, The Geek's Handbag. Just uh, do a search. Uh, also, head to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast networks to subscribe and the socials to do the same. It's all good. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us lots and lots. So all that's left is to say another very big thank you to you all for 2018. It's been awesome. Have a very, very wonderful, merry, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. And a brilliant new year. Hope you get awesome. Happy new year. Cool Doctor Who merch. And we'll see you on the flip-flop. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey, Hey. 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 Hey.